So uh, welcome to the Arcade Hangout and Crud, um, Season 2, Episode uh, 251, or Point B. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're a bunch of friends that like to get together and chat and talk arcade machines and other fun things. Group of collectors. um, And tonight we have a special guest, um, Ed, Ed Log. And we'll talk about his uh, list of accomplishments and games. And when you think of classic arcade machines, there's definitely uh, his, his, a lot of his games come to mind. So we get to pick his brain a little bit, which is going to be fun. So um, quite the list. Yes. Um, so with that, um, anybody want to start off or? Harry, tell yeah. us that story yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> what game was that? <laughs> we're, we're not gonna, and, and, and we're usually much smoother than this. We're just rusty. We've been out of practice because we've been off the off the air for for a month, month. and a half. Yeah. Totally forgot how to do everything. And we're not going to force you to play any games and stuff before we get to the interview. We're just going to jump right in. We <laughs> <laughs> don't do that here. I don't want. So I had just I had just said on when I when we had the show two fifty one point one a that I had that tomorrow I'm getting a new game, which is one of the few games that Ed has not worked on. Um, it's the, it's an Exidy circus. Yes. And you're getting that tomorrow, which is awesome. Tomorrow, yes. Tomorrow. So finger, fingers crossed it arrives working and still in good, you know, in, in one piece. That's always the, the next bit of ex- excitement is it's here. Is it working? What does it look like? So. Fingers was that crossed. something you were looking for, or just kind of popped up and you went fun to have? No, it, it, po- it popped up, and it it was. I mean, I had a blast playing it. And when the hell else am I going to see one of those? Like, no. never. So pretty much. And, and the problem is, I had space because I had sold Tales from the Crypt, and so I have this space that I'm holding for when I pick up another pin, and I haven't done that yet, and it's just like taunting me. And so I had to fill it with something. I mean, I I think it's like, but I've kept it empty for like three or four months, maybe even five, because it's the very beginning that's of the outrageous. pandemic. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. Golly. It's probably, actually not even been six months. I mean, that's a really long time to have space in your garage taunting you. So yeah, it, 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 what is it? The universe abhors a vacuum. So there you go. There was a... <laughs> it didn't last long. <laughs> it lasted like six months. <laughs> so you can get rid of a pin and put two games there, but who's going to do that? Wow. <laughs> Because well, you got nice pins, so yeah. Well, they'd have to be back to back. You know, they'd have to kind of stack this way because I don't have I don't have the wall space. Did you still finally sell your Tales from the Crypt pin? Yeah, that's the one I sold. Uh, okay, that's gone. So, uh, and were you going to replace that with another pin or not? Yeah, probably Funhouse. Funhouse, that's right. Oh, nice. That's how you close that. Okay. Cool. Well, she has to sell the game that she's getting tomorrow in order to put that pin there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, now I'm going through my collection with an eye towards what will I call when eventually I do get the fun house and yeah, everybody's going to have to shift. And so then what, what goes? And I have, I have an idea. I mean, actually I can say it's probably going to be my Mortal Kombat because um, I can put, I use that primarily with the J-Rock and I can put my J, the multi-Williams, I can put that in my Defender and just get a new, you know, redo a do a multi um for the control panel and then i can jettison or mortal combat that i really got for my daughter because she wanted a beat-em-up and it's not that's just not my style i like space shooters yeah 
What? Oh, Pop and balloons. I know, right? and that might be that might just be a segue. I think it is. <laughs> so yes, so uh, we just say thank you, Ed, for coming on our show. You're Thanks welcome. for being here. Can you hear me well. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, I was looking through your list of accomplishments, which is like a huge list. Um, I just have a quick question before we jump into some of your classic stuff. I, I saw here that you had uh, worked on um, Cyberball. Was that, what's the special thanks mean when I'm looking on this list? You know, did you actually program some of that or what, where, what was your involvement with that game? I had no involvement with that game. Oh. And I don't know why John <laughs> put me in there. Okay. So they just put, listed you in a credit as special <laughs> thanks too. I'd have to ask John Solowitz that. Okay. Okay. Never mind then. Sorry. <laughs> Failed. My guess is they, they probably about. stole some of your design or code from a different game to like make that one. And that's where they're like, hey, thanks for the freebie. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he's got special thanks on a lot of games like Roadrunner and. Well, Roadrunner I worked on. So oh, you did work on Roadrunner. Okay. Yeah. I, I did the original laser disc version. Oh, sweet. Oh, oh. Wanted, we talked about that on our show that someone. System one. And I told him, no, thanks. I had a better idea. Yes, we, uh, we, uh, there, we've seen the footage of it um, from CAX. Someone filmed it. Someone had that prototype that had the Laserdisc cutaways um, feature, which we all thought was really awesome. It's too bad that the Laserdisc was so um, finicky that you yeah. couldn't put that in because I think that would have made that game so much cooler, you know. Well, um, yeah, it was like, it was like it's perfect as a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you worked on Roadrunner, I can ask you this question. Um, the prototype that has the laser disc cutaways, it didn't make it necessary to eat the seeds. Uh, it was like, that was kind of like a bonus thing to eat seeds. And then later when the final game came out, you had to eat those seeds. Otherwise, if you missed, I think five of them or something, you lose a life or something like that. Was that uh, something that Atari said, oh, you got to make this harder, or what was your decision-making there to change that, to make it sort of just points to make it a necessary you know, I just got thing. it up to the, the Laserdisc version, got it running. They field tested it several places, and with all of our field tests, you know, if they do really well, you go into production. If they don't, they kill it. Well, this mm -hmm. game earned enough not to kill it, but not enough that they would absolutely positively put it in production, especially since all the operators were complaining about Laserdisc drives dying after you know weeks, months, whatever, mm -hmm. continuous usage. And so they wanted me to port it to System One. And as I said, I told them I had a better idea. I'd rather work on the, my new idea than do that. So I think it went off to Norm Avalar and Greg Rivera. And they port they finished uh, porting it over to System One. Have you ever oh. seen a System One board? You know. It's, Yep, I had a few of them actually. <laughs> the behind arcade danger there. Yeah, he's got it right there, right? <laughs> so, I have another interesting story about System One too, because after Roadrunner, uh, I did another game uh, called Gauntlet, and uh, yes. they wanted me to put it on System One. I told them absolutely not. Uh, and besides, I had to have some special hardware modifications made so that I could do what I wanted to do. It was called Mach 24 at Atari because you could have more than you know 16 objects on a scan line. <clears throat> Pat McCarthy did a good enough job where that 
you know, if you weren't using a motion object, it would actually be, it would not waste a whole motion object's worth of, C, uh, of computation time to draw it. It would just use a fraction of it. So you could draw more, more scan, you know, more motion objects per scan line. So more character, ah. more characters on screen at a time, more enemies on screen at a time. Which you would right. need it for a gauntlet, right? Yes. Um, was yeah. gauntlet? You you said that when you were working on Roadrunner, you had um, you had something better or a better idea you wanted to work on. Was that gauntlet or was that mod yes. twenty four? Oh, that gauntlet. gauntlet. Okay. And originally they wanted me to put on System One, and I, you know, because Robin Ziegler and I had actually written up that game concept earlier based on a uh, on the uh, game dandy that I saw in the ST as well as my son's trying to get me to do a D&D game. And I couldn't figure out how to do a D&D game until I saw Dandy. And after that, I could figure out how to do it. Mm. <clears throat> what, wow. Man, I can't imagine, can you, like, I'm trying to picture what Gauntlet would have looked like on a System 1 cabinet, because you wouldn't have been able to have four players crowded around that. Well, that that's, that's part of the issue, so I wanted to have four players. And to do that, you had to have the modern, well, you couldn't be, you know, straightforward because people off the side wouldn't get a good view. So you have to sort of flatten it down. You can't put a plex in front of it because that creates a glare off of the fluorescence in the arcade or whatever lights you have in the house. And so we had to do without a plexiglass. Now the operators bitched and moaned that, you know, we've never had a game without a plex before in front because it would people would break the monitor. And we showed them dropping ball bearings on a monitor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's your television set, right? You know, that's all. I do totally remember that in the arcade. Like, this one's yep. weird. You can, like, actually touch the screen if you want to. You know? yes. I don't remember. I remember playing it, but I don't remember that. That the, the monitor's got nothing over it? It just no, has nothing the over it. That was one of the weird things. Oh, yeah. wow. I didn't I mean, notice I remember playing it, but though. I wouldn't notice as a kid. I, I didn't notice. I was just yeah. like, wow. And, of course, we had to have a uh, metal bezel around it so that they couldn't get into the cabinet. Right. Stuff. Um, so wow. yeah, there were a lot of real problem uphill battles I had with Gauntlet. Uh, certainly the monitor, we got a 25 inch monitor. That was good because I wanted a lot of real estate. And uh, certainly uh, uh, it had to have no bezel in front of it. And getting four people around it and marketing kept telling me, no, you can't get four people. On, you know, you can't get four people to play a game. <laughs> you can't do that. Well, yes, I can. Turns <laughs> out well, I could, and it worked. And the so, operator must have loved that game. It was a quarter eater for sure. Yeah, yeah. There are all sorts of stories, you know. With well, actually, with all my games, but certainly with uh, Gauntlet, because uh, when we field test, you know, we take it out to an arcade and tell the operator, "Don't, don't tell anybody you've got it. Don't tell anybody how well it earns." And you know and tell us what it earns as well as all your best games, just so we have a comparison. And uh, we put it out in a small little arcade in, in Saratoga, El Paseo de Saratoga, the small little mall there. And uh, I came back three days later, and here's David Rosen of Sega with a couple of Japanese engineers photographing the game. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, oh crap. Ouch. Yeah. Secret's out. Yeah. Apparently it earned so much the first few days that uh, and Gauntlet was really interesting too, because it usually when you get a new game in, it takes away from other other games. You know, instead of playing the other game, you know, they 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 put money into the new game. Uh, Gauntlet wasn't that way; it just brought new money into the arcade. And that was the first time I think I'd ever seen that. And they used to put a little sign up limiting the number of quarters 
that people could, you know, to line up. Because when I was there, the whole bezel was lined with quarters. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Played forever. I remember you couldn't even get on it sometimes or. You have to wait till someone ran out of quarters and then jump on and take their place and keep going with the adventure, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Or someone would like, like preempt and like drop in like four or five at a time. Right. And then mm-hmm. have the extra health Throw. built up and then go down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why'd you shoot the health, you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't I'll imagine. Kill you. <laughs> you know, plaque and I was getting from marking and said, the game, what is the game doesn't end? And I said, you're right. It can't end because if people put a bunch of money and there's nothing I can do. I just play it. Yeah. <laughs> and Martin, no, you got to have an ending. Nope, I can't have an ending. <laughs> well, there you Isn't go, Mark. Like, you were you were wondering about that. That's a perfect answer to that question. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, doesn't it loop at like ninety nine or something like that, and it starts over at like ten uh, or something? I think it has like a hundred and six, hundred and ten levels, something like that. The first six are always fixed, but the remainder of the remainder about a hundred of them. Um, I flip them and do all sorts of massaging to them to make them look different. They're the same mm. maze, they're just oriented different. You know, horizontal oh, flip, vertical flip. You know, oh, nice. Flip. Clever. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I just got to a new level. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on here. So, uh, did you have just as much involvement with Gauntlet 2 or did you, or, you know, with that, when with the programming of that? Uh, yes, Bob Flanagan and I did the programming in Gauntlet, and we did also did all the programming on Gauntlet too. So was Atari coming to you saying, "Hey, you know, Gauntlet was so great, make us a sequel"? And uh, you know, did they give you any kind of rules to go by of like for the sequel? You know, like add some uh, bosses or something, or or what, what was that like? Well, we had some ideas that we didn't implement in Gauntlet. And, you know, we certainly wanted to put them into Gauntlet too. And it's the first time I think I've ever done a sequel other than like Millipede, I guess. It's not really a sequel, but yeah, I guess it, I guess you can call it a sequel. I, that's a sequel. Yeah, spiritual successor, certainly. <laughs> but generally I don't do sequels. I try to do something new. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Centipede, I definitely wanted to do a sequel too as well because it really did well. I couldn't figure out how to do an uh, asteroid sequel. Although people tried with Asteroids 2 and Space Duel and stuff like that. Mm, deluxe, yeah. Um, was there anything in, in um, Gauntlet 2 that you wanted to put in that you didn't, that you couldn't, or didn't have time to do, or anything like that? I certainly don't remember that. And, you know, we had the Gauntlet 2 contest. And, you know, we did uh, a good promotion off of that. And I don't oh. know how, how much it helped and stuff like that. What was the contest? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't the know contest. that at all. Yeah. The first, uh, some number of people to get through, um, basically beat the dragon or, you know, you, you had some, I don't remember all the details now, but there was a final uh, dragon that you, you could beat. Oh. And you had to, you had to qualify for by doing something in their secret you know, the treasure levels or something to that effect. I remember playing Gauntlet 2 long enough that I got to a couple of the dragons who did come across and just like fill up the entire, uh, you know, space you could walk in, basically the hallway. Yeah. And they had the different patterns for the uh, the fireballs right. that would shoot out. And yeah, those are proper pain in the butt. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't remember yet. Was it like a t-shirt giveaway? Like the, like a road blasters kind of thing? Or what was, what was the no, prize? I think it was uh, prize money. Hang on a minute. Hmm. Now I'm curious. <laughs> it was a new car. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I've got my old notes. Win the here. game. That's not in that folder. When I left Atari, um, I could I I was a good citizen and didn't take any of the stuff. No. I wish I had. <laughs> but when I came back to Atari and they closed down Milpitas, they were going to take all the stuff and you know put it in. 18 wheeler and haul it off to Midway in Chicago and who knows what would have happened to it. So I Xerox some stuff. There you go. Nice. And uh, oh, here's a Gauntlet 2 contest. Okay, play Gauntlet 2, find your way to the secret room, complete your assigned task, enter your name and last name, record your personalized secret code and mail your comp completed official entry form to Atari games. The first 500 valid entrants will receive an official Gauntlet 2 player t-shirt. Uh -huh. Secret rooms, any maze can include an opportunity to enter a secret room and so on and so on. So I'm just looking at the flyer that was sent out. That's awesome. Huh. So do you have any memory whatsoever of how to actually do that? No, so I, were, don't. I, I do remember like the secret <laughs> secret rooms were a pain and they, they there was like crazy rooms where like all the walls became exits or some creep. Oh, yeah. Treasure, I do treasure remember that. The treasure no, that's in Gauntlet. The, that's in Gauntlet with the timer out. Oh, that's right. It's the time running out. Somebody didn't get a key or, you know, or just got totally lost. I, I didn't want to just them, you know, eat everybody's quarters waiting to get out of the level. So I would just turn all the walls to exits and let them get out of there. Mm. Oh, Which wasting a, a fair amount of money to do that. <laughs> Invest. Yes, there you go. Investing in the experience. So that was like the original in-game purchase, right? <laughs> Keep playing. <laughs> Another quarter. <laughs> nice. You didn't get to increase your character, though. Yeah. I'd be curious, and what was the most amount of money that somebody put into one single gauntlet game? You know, if there's four of them, like from the time it started to the time it ended, oh, man. or like, like what was the super high end? Like, man, these guys just pumped between the four I have of them. No idea. You know, I mean, it's got to be enormous. You know, oh, like, God. like these sure the coin bucket. They bought a couple of machines, <laughs> probably. You know, I just don't know, but I do know I was at one AMOA or something, and some guy from Toronto came by. Oh, I want to shake your hand. You know, your game won more money than any other game ever in history. He made like twenty four hundred dollars in a week. Oh man, that's so much money, especially back then. Well, oh, my God, yeah. it's probably cost him about twenty eight hundred dollars to buy the game. That's like an ROI of one week. That's amazing. Yeah, that's mm. holy sh amazing. Yeah, <laughs> twenty five so, cents at a time. Ed, do you have any uh, arcade games yourself, or did you used to have any, um, like you know, at home? Oh, yeah, I used to have all sorts of them. Let's see, I had one, two, six, seven, eight. I had nine. Nice. Oh. And they were. One of them was my wife's. What is oh. she like? Well, she liked asteroids and bought one before she met me. Wow. Wow. She's well, a keeper. About <laughs> <Yep>. asteroids? <laughs> yeah. We had two asteroids in our house for a while. Oh, is it hers? Garage. Hers was in the house. Naturally. Okay. <laughs> and who came up with the cool? Uh, it probably wasn't you. It was probably some other Atari, uh, Atari thing or something. But I really like on the asteroids the uh, the, the coin mech for it. The uh, allies. 
coin mech that's on that just i just thought that was kind of cool and unique you don't the see circular that. where you push it yeah in there's two you put them flat <laughs> yeah. i don't remember that coin door that's oh, kind of yeah. like almost like old school gumball machines but i know what you're talking about them. i don't remember that on go- on my gauntlets not on asteroids slide it right in yeah the original yeah. asteroids had it where it where it was like a gumball machine kind of where you put it in flat there's two of them. The face. That's what I call allies. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, a sticker I, machine almost. I don't remember yeah. that. Can, you, can somebody find a picture on the net and bring it up? Well, I, I, I was going to say I had a picture out in the garage. I could have probably gotten the uh, sales flyer and she had a picture on that. Were you ever a Robotron fan? <laughs> I was a big Robotron fan. I actually owned a Robotron. That was one of the games in my house. Okay, cool. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I really like there. <laughs> there. There you go. Yeah. yeah, okay. I think that's a cool looking mech that, you know, you just don't see that kind of thing. You know, it was not many machines that I can remember had that. Yeah, primarily on asteroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder why. Uh, Lander, too. I, uh, my Lunar Lander, uh, Starship One has owl eyes in it. Wasn't well, it just older games? Uh, Wasn't that like the, the, the end of it? That's probably. why this asteroids is so popular. We saw it. Because that's we all pretty much saw asteroids. Well, it may have come from the lunar ca- lunar lander cabinet, mm. because yeah, wow. asteroids is just a lunar lander uh, PC board that's slightly modified to have different audio, but it's basically got the same video engine, and uh, I think the same ROM space too. Was your wife a fan of Centipede, like most women out there that raved about that game? She was more into asteroids. Oh, okay. Yeah, isn't that weird that that was like a phenomenon? Like when you go into arcades, a lot of women love playing Centipede. It was just like that was their game. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't explain that either, other than yeah. shooting bugs is probably appropriate for them. <laughs> it, you, you, you had a hand in Centipede, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> and it was a collaboration with uh... Donna Bailey. Donna Bailey, okay. Yeah, I had hired Donna Bailey, and we were trying to get a project to, uh, for her to work on. And I went through the list of brainstorming ideas, and I saw an idea called Bug Shooter. So I wrote up a proposal to it. Uh, you know, the Bug Shooter was more or less, you know, you're in a screen shooting bugs. And that was basically the, uh, I, I have the actual uh, brainstorm idea. I could bring it up. I could I'll probably find it, read it to you if you want. And then I wrote a proposal that was uh, modified to that. And uh, it's got notes from Dan Van Eldren on it, you know, where he basically wrote back saying, are you sure, you basically are sure, and et cetera, et cetera. And did you, you came up with the, the mushrooms and mushroom regenerating and all that kind of thing? And Well, I came up with the uh, centipede lake movement and, you know, told her how to implement that, you know, and showed her how to do that and, and the animations for it. Uh, I think a lot uh, Dave Ralston or others probably drew some of the characters. And if you're okay. if you're probably familiar enough with the game and dump the ROMs, you'll see a grasshopper in there too. It was not part of the game. Oh, that didn't make it kind oh, of thing? Didn't or? make it as part of the game. It's in the graphics ROMs. Huh. All right, new hack. Let's get Crafty Mac on it. Yeah, <laughs> the grasshopper was there to jump on you if you didn't move. So I was worried oh. about getting to a situation where, you know, you didn't have to move. You could stay in one spot and just shoot stuff. 
so I had the grasshopper. But during the first review, Dan Van Ellen suggested, why don't you shoot the mushrooms? Because the original game idea had a fixed field of mushrooms. And I went home that night, thought about it. So yeah, that makes a really nice, interesting idea. So I added the flea, which dropped them. The spider would eat them up. You could shoot them up. You know, you get extra points at the end of the level to give yourself a little bit of time break and to give you a little extra bonus. Hoping to break that 12,000 point barrier to give you an extra life. Yeah. And so it worked mm -hmm. out very well. And so that really added a lot to the game. And that's something that doesn't happen much at Atari when you're getting a suggestion that actually works. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time you get suggestions like, you know, don't use a trackball, use a joystick. <laughs> yeah, right. And I roll my eyes and, you know, <laughs> Centipede has code for a joystick, but there's oh, no way no. you can play that with a joystick. No, it wouldn't look wow. the same. Yeah. We were we were joking before the show started about why doesn't Asteroids have a joystick? So. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer that question for you if you want to know. Yeah, please. <laughs> I was yeah. at Stanford AI Lab and Rob. 70, 1971 or so, and uh, they had space war, you know, four-player space war on the PDP mm -hmm. machine. And the guys had a little silver box and a left and right joystick and hyperspace and shoot and thrust and all that. So basically, I stole the controls from that game when I did Astros. Ah, oh, cool. Nice. It's also Time Runner. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be something like kickbacks from the button mafia, but that's okay. This is a good answer. I like it. Nice. <laughs> so yes, the uh, ship came from there, and uh, um, a lot of the ideas came. So from more there. more on asteroids. Uh, so um, you were you were the kind of the original creator of the concept of the game. Well, uh, Lyle Rains called me in his office, and he had an idea for. He said, remember this other game we used to play? And I did the same thing. We walked, it's a big asteroid in the machine and the object was to do something else. But everybody kept shooting the asteroid, hoping it would do something. You know, piece uh, of okay. or, you know something would happen. And, you know, I, that's the first thing I did when I played the game too, is I'd shoot the big asteroid, hoping something would happen. Because the rest of the gameplay was really sucked. <laughs> you know, never made a production. And, and then, uh, you know, I always kind of wondered, um, you know, because like you said, Lunar Lander, was the precursor in that cabinet, right? Was there, was Atari like, we got to come up with some other game. We get, we're sitting in all these empty cabinets that we need to get out the door no, or anything like that? that was not the case for yeah. asteroids. Ah, um, okay. You know, so Lyle suggested the idea, why don't we shoot the asteroids and, you know, break them up? And I said, okay, let's make them into smaller pieces and I'll have to have a ship come in and shoot at you if you don't do anything. So, you know, that should work. And of course, you know, you want to shoot big pieces and you don't want to shoot them randomly because that just get, creates a mess on the screen and you <laughs> have to avoid being shot. So the idea is to have some kind of strategy of shoot one big, shoot its pieces up and then maybe go after another one. Um, and so I, I did it. You know, I started, I'd already done the alphanumerics on Lunar Lander, so I was very familiar with the hardware. And uh, Lyle wanted to do it in Raster and I told him, no way. I, you know, Raster is 320 by 240. <clears throat> And you could hardly make a ship that size. You could hardly tell which way it's pointing. <laughs> oh, Astros, interesting. Yeah. Lunar Lander is 1024 by 768. And it's a much finer, uh, the black and white is so much easier to see. You don't have that phosphorus. There's a three dot phosphor. It makes it really blurry. 
and then you don't have that problem with asteroids. Now, something I did not consider is when you shoot the shot, it creates a, a phosphor trail. Oh, yes. And that's something that really added to asteroids that was Definitely. totally unintentional. That's so cool. Yeah. So, awesome. yes, uh, Lyle suggested the idea. I came up with the idea of the three different sizes, the asteroids and the saucers. The saucer come in and shoot you. But to, to give some credit to the raster version, I'll say, you know, uh, when I grew up, I had the Atari 400 home console yep. with the keyboard. Yep. And asteroids, that's the game my brother and I would play. And we'd be up all night long till the sun came up in the summertime <laughs> that game was like super addictive it, even though it was like the same thing over and over we just had to keep playing <laughs> the same with the 2600 and yeah, then i like the joystick and one button too. you know I, mean, I, don't, was... I don't even remember like what the tricks were with the joystick because you got to be able to do a shield right no yeah, that was down so you forward just... for up was thrust left was rotate left right was rotate right back was hyperspace. Yeah, Atari added or, uh, the yeah, the the 2600 added the shield concept, but mm -hmm. it wasn't in, yeah, of course in the arcade, so until But yeah, it also had the option to hyperspace depending on which yes. mode you were playing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think wasn't it where it would you turn for the shield, you turned into a circle and the asteroids would just pass through you. I yeah. don't think it bounced you around or anything but you, like but that. But you couldn't hold yeah. it for too long because then you'd no. blow up. Yeah, you'd blow up. <laughs> uh, okay. True. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, I first yeah. played it on the 2600, and then when I played it, then I played it in the arcade uh, and with all the buttons, and it kicked my ass because I was good <laughs> at the 2600, and that was just a whole different creature. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much fun. I remember being in like in arcades, and across the entire floor, you could see that trail from the shot because it was so bright and, and mm -hmm. vibrant. Like it just was, it would catch your eye from like across the whole room. Because it was just it was the contrast and the how the glow from that phosphor, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. You just well, can't it, duplicate that. Back in my asteroids, you guys, you can Asteroids was the was always the last game I played with my last quarter because I could last a long time on one quarter. Uh, I'm like, I'm almost yeah. out of money. It's my yeah. last quarter. All right, asteroids, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Push that quarter oh. out. So Ed was um, the 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 concept later. Um, when when people were able to, I don't say marathon that game where they would just you know keep one little asteroid alive and they would just keep going up 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 and then shoot the little spaceship as they appear, you know is that something that when you saw that did you get pissed off and go ah damn it? <laughs> well, I have let me tell you a little stories a few stories about that. First of all, you know the way the way game works is there's a counter that counts down before the little the saucer shoots. And if you killed him just before he shot, the instant he came in, he'd shoot again. So if you're near the edge, and sometimes the screens, because the phosphor will, you know, the actually the screen size will grow or shrink depending on how hot and cold it is, he could be off the screen. So you may not even see him come in, shoot, and you'd die before, you know, where who shot me? Where did he come from? Yeah. I don't even see him. And so the first thing I did is, okay, I'll give you a second before he shoots. So I, I set the timer to a minimum of second four shoots. Now that was probably my first mistake. What I should have done is just decrease that timer, you know, slowly over time. Mm. But I actually tried lurking because I was familiar with that strategy when I played Space War on the uh, PDP machine, even out of the Stanford Forum in 1972. So I was familiar with it and I tried it. I was not particularly good at it, but I really, 
what I really kick myself for is not limiting the number of lives. Oh, not simply saying, you know, I'll let you do that play as long as you can, but I'm not going to give you more than six lives or eight lives or something. So is it unlimited? I mean, can you go forever? Or is it cap out at 256 or nothing? It just keeps going. You, you could probably cap, uh, go out to 256. I was had one bite for the number of lives. So I don't know what would happen if you wrapped it. I don't know if it would go to zero or not. <laughs> right. I'd have yeah. to look at the code. But um, somebody showed me a video of once where the lives ran all the way across the screen. And mm -hmm. it would actually, it slows down the game because I have to draw everything. Even oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, that's what I really objected to, knowing that, you know, because I played Star Castle, well, I played Star Castle after Asteroids. I could play it forever. Oh. Hala Lives, too. Wow. What's That's the record on too. Asteroids? Does anybody know offhand? 9999. <laughs> or I mean, the, the, like, the hours played. Oh, well, like, God. Two or three uh, days. <laughs> you're talking days. Yeah. My gosh. So uh, you were involved with Video Pinball, too, right? Yes. The, which came out first, Video Pinball or Asteroids? Uh, video pinball did first. It, it did. Okay. It, I came it, right. It was my second game I released. My first okay. game was Super Breakout. Oh, awesome! Wow, oh, love that game video too. Yes. Given to me by my boss Dave Steuben at the time said I have this idea to do pinball and video. You know, with a half silvered mirror and. It know. holds up really well. Yeah. Like people are still like, like, yeah. collector. That was one I, I totally like, forgot yeah. about. Love that then, game. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. So good. The mechanics where you the control panel, you can actually, you know, move it and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So we used to throw a, uh, with, uh, with our buddy uh, Steve uh, at Grinkers in Idaho, we would have an arcade tournament and we put video pinball in a couple times, I think. Didn't we have it in the tournament I, I a couple I times? So. I think, I think, I think, for sure. I think twice. Uh, yeah, for sure. At least once. twice. <clears throat> yeah so we'd have a we'd all fly out of a couple hundred of us would fly out to idaho and have this big arcade tournament at this uh arc arcade in idaho called uh, grinkers and unfortunately that was a victim of covid uh we lost that arcade but uh yeah we all miss it but yeah that was that was one that's where we all got to play it um that's where i first time i saw it was there i never saw it in the wild I, as a kid and and on paper i have to say on on, on paper it sounds it sounds terrible to me. It's like, why wouldn't I play pinball on pinball? Who? Why would I play yeah. one of? And and the thing and the thing is that I had video pinball on Atari Twenty Six Hundred. There were other um, video, you know, video game versions of pinball. But until you played on the actual on that cabinet where you, it has the physics and everything, um, it just seems silly to me. And then you play it, and it's like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it, it's never like. <laughs> I just don't like it blows my mind that someone can't like thought of that and, and was like, this would be a good idea because it just sounds like if you pitch that to someone until you explain to them that you can do all this stuff and, uh, and it's going to have the same mechanics and physics. It just seems like a silly idea. Like it, it seems like something that would be turned down. Um, well, actually, as I said, my boss proposed it to me and my reaction was the same as yours. Why would I play this? I could go play a real pinball. <laughs> right. <laughs> get the physics perfect, you know? Yeah. But it, and then, it worked out well enough, you know. They, they actually made a second game, too, with the same cabinet, 
right? Was it like in your family or something? Atari didn't. Maybe somebody else made it something out of it. Huh. I, I'm going to have to look it up because I I swear there was like art kit and it was like in the same era, but I don't remember the name of it. Maybe someone in the IRC can mention if they know. Good question. Come on, hey, Gak, use your mutant power. Yeah. Whose idea was it to have the red LEDs back there? Because that just sort of even just adds more to the magic you know what i mean it's like not mm-hmm. only is it a simulation but there's physical things that happen with those lights that you know make it just akin to playing real pinball um well the nudge was probably dave steuben's idea i don't think it was mine mm-hmm. um the idea of course of video pinball is there's places you can put a pinball a, a video game but you can't put a pinball game and, you know, that was his reasoning for trying it. Ah, that makes sense. That's great. I actually am getting one in. I bought it from Coin-Op Warehouse. It's coming in tomorrow morning. So. Oh, nice. It's, it's good times. Anybody else on? Oh, I thought I saw it. I thought that no. was, yeah. Yep, that was me. <laughs> Can't say. Yeah, you, uh, you, you've picked up quite a few from Coin-Op Warehouse, I've noticed on, on my Facebook feed. Are you are you uh, are you opening up a, a new arcade? <laughs> That's correct. You're invited. Grinkers too. <laughs> yes. Electric right. Wear your mask. Don't tease anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to try out oh, your uh, phone booth. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. What kind of what kind of calls can Gak make? <laughs> um, there we go. There's a picture. Well, I was, was going to say. Um, there it is. It's the all icon door. It's yeah, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me well. t- talking about a, a smaller footprint and simulation makes me think of like Slick Shot and Super Strike Bowling, where it's like a like just a, a, a you know you got the felt or whatever and and um, a lo- the the mini pool stick and <laughs> and then the the video screen. Those are those are two games that I've come across a couple times and I've been tempted because they never command a lot of money, but um, they're so deep. The cabinet is so deep that it's like, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard place to put. And, and then essentially you're playing, you know, like it's either bowling or even though, even though you're using like a, a pool ball for the bowling and, um, and then with the, the pool. But um, again, it's like, it's such a cool concept though. Um, but I've never actually seen them out in the wild. Uh, so that's one of those things where it's like, well, I should, I'd like to buy this game, but then I'm committed to it. And what if it's, what if it's not actually Mark, didn't you own, Slick shot or um, I, I, I have else. a slick shot or super strike. The, the, uh, you know what strikes. I'm talking about, the hat. Yeah, I, I know the whole theme song to the super strike. Um, I, I I do have a, a an extra one that I'm trying to like turn into a slick shot, but you have to get a different control panel and you know just they don't seem to fall oh, off the trees. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, Go, going back to asteroids. Um, uh, Owen Owen Rubens in the chat, by the way, Ed, and and he was asking why for some time his initials wouldn't go into the game. Did he tell you the story behind that? No, nope. I think no. I think you get to tell the story. Yeah, he wants you to tell. Well, tell you, <laughs> you know, I go home at night. You know, I was a you know, I was an atypical programmer. I'd show up at you know eight thirty and go home at you know five thirty six o'clock. So. I'd go home, I'd come back in the morning after I put a high score table in Asteroids, and it'd be ORR, 
It'll be all, all tennis courts. <laughs> no so Ed Rotberg came up and said, you know, I'm tired of seeing that. Can't you just blank it out if somebody puts in ORR? Sure. Come in the next day. And, There's a bug in your game. I can't enter my initials. Scratch my I'll go look into that. And then, he, then he got smart and put OR space. So I had to put OR space, O space R, space OR. <laughs> the, the original oh, guy list. A pencil and an eraser. Yeah, that's beautiful. Is, is that still in the game code? No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Now you enter it and it just freezes the game. No, Orville Renbacher. No, uh, we had the Gene Lipkin uh, kill switch, which you guys are probably not aware of. Gene Lipkin was head of marketing, and he was notorious for coming in and looking and said, you know, basically, what the bleep is this? Kill it. Oh, no. Everybody would put in a kill switch. So when Gene Lipkin came around, Think. What are you doing? Well, I'm working on my game. What is it? Well, I, I'd like to show you, but it's not working right now. Come back later. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that was self-preservation, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's terrible. You have to do stuff you like can't that. can't set the bar too high too fast. Yeah. You can ask Owen Rubin. He'll tell you a story about uh, the driving game he was working on. Yeah. It's awesome. And he killed something great in that, probably. Yeah. How frustrating. So um, I also saw on your list that you worked on uh, Zybots. Um, Correct. Is it, uh, who'd you work on with that on that one? Or was that uh, Bob Flanagan? Actually, that was supposed to be a oh yeah, I remember a Gauntlet Three. And then marketing oh, came to me and said, "No more Gauntlet. We don't want any more Gauntlet. No more Gauntlet characters. Nothing." And I hmm. kowtowed to it and made up two characters along the lines of Major Havoc. Um, ah. And so it was maybe, supposed to be gauntlet characters in the mazes done in 3D then, right? Yes. Uh, Interesting. That would have been a kind of a cool idea. Yeah. The real impetus behind that was, I think I was talking to Doug Snyder or something, and you know, I said, you know, we don't have bitmap hardware, so I can't do rotations. But, you know, I bet you if I do 30, 45, 60, and 90 degree rotations, I could because our, our hardware was basically bitmap with a few motion objects. Uh, a few growth motion objects. And so I said, you know, maybe I could do it all in stamps. So I sat down with some graph paper and mapped it out. And sure enough, I could do it all in stamps. So in little eight by eight stamps, I could do rotation if the walls are all perpendicular. Oh, so just to prove that I could do it. Mm -hmm. Now, we if just, you were- We were just playing that. Kerry has a set well, of Zybots. And... Yeah, he's got it up there. So if you would have done a gauntlet, that means you would oh, have all awesome. sorts of creatures and different monsters yeah, to shoot. Shooting at you like, and stuff like that. You'd have like a Thor guy throwing his axe and the archer yeah. shooting his arrow. That would have been cool. You I'm could sorry, power him I, up. That's one of the things I actually kowtowed to him and I wish I hadn't. Yeah. Usually it's, a, as I said, it's usually a fight over joysticks versus trackball or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, were they really... Uh, were they really stern on that, saying absolutely not, no more gauntlet, we're done with that, we want yeah, some that, space were, age? <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't name the uh, guilty party. No, you don't have to do that, but yeah, <laughs> you know, I could see your frustration with. We that. can do that off air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the off show. Yeah, no, I could see your. Oh, that's really sucks. Oh man, I would like to see that. Yeah, those are some. Speaking of joysticks, Zybots, those those are some. 
monster joysticks. Honker joysticks. Uh, <laughs> uh, repaired. I just re- I just repaired one of uh, Carrie's the right player side, and um, Carrie has his eyebots. Fascinating how they work. Yeah, we were just playing it the other. Uh, uh, Doesn't it have a, like a really long? There's like these metal yeah, parts. It's, and um, thing. They're it's an insane. analog. They're an analog joystick, not a uh, normal joystick that is, you know, left, right button. So it's an analog joystick, and there's a problem with that because, you know, the, because the values are inconsistent between machines over oh. time, perhaps. And so what I did is put an algorithm in to try to figure out, you know, where center is and left and right is. But when I went out on field test. It was out on St. James Infirmary, if you remember that place off of Moffat Park, Moffat Boulevard. Um, really cool place. I love before it burned down. But I went in there to check on it, and some lady had put her purse on it, which, of course, brought the joystick down the left. So it means you couldn't turn right. Oh, no. Yeah, it thought, it thought that far right oh, was no. center. <laughs> I mean, that, that happens with any analog joystick, right? It's like if you start it up in the wrong position, that, that's center. Well, and so everything's I relative from that point. Position. I did a running running read on it. Oh, okay. Wow. So and so if you know, you're just hanging off to the left to leave it there, I eventually I think that's center because <laughs> mm. it has a return to center function. Oh, man. There are, yeah, it's there are got a lot this, of stories gotta... you guys don't know about. <laughs> and that's why we got you on here. <laughs> well, Actually, that's... Stories. I'll tell you some stories. Sure. We're all ears. Uh, all right. Hold on. Yeah, I, I, I just got done searching. I found it. It's called Solar War. Oh, I remember that game. So that's like oh, an alternate of video pinball. Yeah, I know. Uh, that sounds familiar, but I don't remember anything about it. I don't know if it was like a hack or a, uh, it was says it, it was by Atari? by Atari in 1879. You have a picture that you can show us, Gak? Uh, let's see. I'll put it in our chat here. I don't know if there's better pictures than that. I just kind of uh, finally found that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. As you can tell, I'm not Irene. That's my. This is my wife's Mac, so. Oh, yeah. I hope you don't mind. I... I... Uh, renamed we'll switch you to the name later. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. If you prefer, if you prefer Irene, I can change it. Back. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an interior joke, along with the lines that I sleep like a log every night. Oh, <laughs> literally. Wow. Anyway, I was going to tell you a story about there's a there's a picture of the cabinet at it's at an angle on that last uh, thing I said in the chat. Oh, in our uh, somebody bring it up. Yeah, if sure, you could. Yeah, yeah, sure. go ahead. Yeah, since you've got uh, two two views. The arcade history solar war. I knew there was one. I just couldn't remember the name. <laughs> but I think it was only like a prototype or something. Oh, well, that's the same. There's a picture of the cabinet like at a three-quarter angle on the, the last link I sent. Well, it said it was made by Atari, but I don't know who did that. Oh, I got to ask you a Zybots question. It um, does look the same, though. The um... Let me finish my story, and then we'll go to Zybots. Right, <laughs> yeah, you have go. some good stories you Sorry. want to tell. I want to hear these stories. <laughs> yes. Uh, Atari had this wonderful program where at the end of the 
development of it. So I could, you could buy one of the field test units or the prototype units. So I bought 50 bucks, I think, for uh, Super Breakout. And uh, about that time, Consumer, which was upstairs in our building at 1272, came down and said, we'd like to do a video, uh, super, super Breakout on the 2600. I said, sure, can we borrow your game? Sure. So we took it upstairs. About a year later, I said, you know, I'd like to get that game home. I really want to get back and play in that. So I went upstairs Friday night, nobody was there. So I took a hand cart, took it down, took it and put it in the truck, took it home. Come back Monday, I find out there was a police report. They reported it stolen. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> so we come back and we said, somebody stole a game. I said, no, it's my game. No, it's our game. No, it's my game. I, buy, I bought it. It's my game. <laughs> wow. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. The Damn. things you have to worry about when you take your machines to work. No, just be yeah. careful when you loan something to somebody. Put your name on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like one of those uh, label makers <laughs> property. Yeah. Of... yeah, they can yeah. take those off. You got to do available. Yeah. Sharpie. You were going to ask me a question about uh, Zybots. Oh, I was just going to ask um, if the decision to, so like when you play like a one person, a one player game, it's just, it's the half screens. And then when a, you know, a second person joins, they have half. Uh, was the decision to not like make it full for like a one player game, just uh, out of like profits, like to, to kind of uh, tempt a second player to join? Or was that like um, a pro, just a, something with uh, the code or, um, or two I, monitors I, you could have done. Yeah, I've know? always been, I've always been curious reasons. about that. Number one, I wanted to encourage a second player to join because they get twice as much money. But number two is, as I said, I was drawing the screen in stamps. And so I'd have to have two sets of artwork, one for a bigger screen and one for a smaller screen. Oh, mm. I see. Yeah. Cause there's so no, I, no like probably, uh, I was probably limited by my, you know, 2k bit uh, EEPROM for graphics arts. And so I just probably sure. just, Oh, I didn't think about that. that. Makes sense. Ah, okay. Yeah, I the the um, encouraging a second player makes complete sense. That that was the the one thing I, I thought of, but um, I didn't think about it from from that programming standpoint. Yeah, most of our hardware at that point, you know, beyond the early days, was a you know, there's three different uh, video feeds. There's the alphanumerics, uh, which had a very small EEPROM associated with it. And it was literally for alphanumerics and at highest priority. And there was playfield, which is your background stuff, and your motion objects, which is between your playfield and your alphanumerics. So those are the three things you could use. And the alphanumerics were eight by eight, playfield was eight by eight, the motion objects were generally eight by eight. I'm going to engineering school here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a notebook. <laughs> Does uh does Zybots have an ending or does that one go on forever too? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. No. I, I yeah, and I haven't made it very far. That game gets tough really quick. The maps get huge, and if you don't have certain map uh, mappers or whatever to show you where where things are, you're pretty much screwed. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the idea was to make things not always visible, you know, 100% visible. You know, so the universe was, you know, you could only see or detect so far the increased difficulty. Yeah. It's cool though. I like the little map and the arrows and showing you where you're, where you're going. And, and Have you ever played Maze Invaders? Uh, by no. the way, 
Bob, Bob just popped in the, the, the channel and he said there is no ending for Cybots. Bob Flanagan. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Get him in here. <laughs> is he on chat? He is on the chat, yep. Because I don't see oh, him in the video. Mayor, Mayor Patrick? Mayor Patrick. Yeah, he's in, hey, we, have a, we have an IRC uh, channel set up that the chat's happening in. Oh, I see. All right. Um, Lewis, you should forward him the. I I'd see if I, see if, I, see if I'll, I'll send you the the link. Uh, at... <laughs> well, it's very likely I didn't have an ending, probably for the same reason. Yeah, it's gone. Like, I've already gotten away with it once, so they'll let me get away with it again. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any boss characters in uh, Zybots, or I don't is it remember just any boss characters? Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. Huh. Yeah. So. Does anybody have any other Zybox questions before I move on to another game to talk about? Do you guys realize I'd actually done a VCS cartridge? No. Oh, which, which one? one? Which one? <laughs> I was at a uh, Portland arcade show uh, a year and a half ago, and I decided, yeah, what the hell, I'll walk around because they had nothing but a lot of consumer stuff. So I walked around looking at all for, for all my cartridges, you know, whether it was a N64 or VCS, and I signed them if I could find them. But I did a VCS Othello, oh, and I did it Othello. without anybody in Coinop knowing about it until the last day. I knew that because wow. you talked about that on some other podcast or something or a talk, or were you at like Portland Game Game Expo or something? Were you were you on a panel? Yes, it was very possible I could talk about. That. Yes, because I'm like I. I no, I can't be this guy. And yeah, I remember you said because you said the same exact <laughs> sequence of words. I walked around looking for this cartridge, and then I'm like, it's "Yeah, a I went home. to Carol Shaw and I got her Checkers Kernel. You know, knew enough about the VCS to basically program it on our black box. We should probably have a whole discussion about development systems before this is over, too. But <laughs> uh, I took the black sure. box and basically, you know, plug it into the a processor and you could debug and stuff like that. But the whole idea of Othello was, I, could, I was wondering if I could do a 2K game without look ahead. And so I was just challenging myself to see if I could do a simple game without any look ahead. So normally in chess, when you go look ahead, the screen goes black and it spends some compute time to figure out what the next move is. I didn't, I just did a table lookup. You know, simple little during vertical retrace, I did table lookup and no blank screen. Nice. But it had to fit in 2K. And that was a real trick because at one point they came back and said, hey, if you do this, the game always does the same stupid thing. And you would basically lose real early. So I uh, sat down in the development system. In those days, you know, the way to debug it is you patch a jump to someplace add a few instructions and jump back. And so, you know, I knew a lot of codes for the 6502 at that time. So was that, the that. was that the original limit? Like if you could, if you couldn't fit in 2K, cause I know it could take 4K. Yes, but, but that like would cost more. Game. And the marketing said they didn't, wouldn't do it in 4K. Right, it just too expensive. Are the chips too expensive or something? Is well, that why? Doubles the cost or something, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they sell them for the same price. So yeah, they get more profit this way. Yeah. Was that that was the only game you did for the Atari twenty six hundred? Yes, as I said, I was in Coinop and uh, I would do it at home at, at night. I, you know, I'd come back in and 
Just for fun. <laughs> but at the time they wanted me to fix that bug, I sat down with a black box at Atari. At this point, my boss walked into my lab and, and said, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, these are the 2600 cartridge. Uh. <laughs> All right. So I got to ask, was that a, uh, did you like set up some kind of commission for that or royalty or anything? Or was no, that I just, not, didn't get anything for that. Oh, they don't do royalties back then. Oh. Consumer had any royalties. Um, and let me tell you, I mean, they have to have made history of tens royalty. of thousands of those cartridges. I would think at least. Well, I remember seeing that uh, Othello on the Atari 2600 box. I, like that was yeah. not the screenshot. So it's yeah, it was like yeah, definitely. They lured there you two, in with it. Yeah, there are two. Was that the one? Yeah, I, I remember the, the the seventies. I mean, the seventies people on that box are like. I'm glad <laughs> I still have that box, but I could picture. Yeah, I could picture the faces like with the big, big gaping mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's all. Yeah, that's a great. Great box. So, uh, Atari had this wonderful program. Oops. Oh, there it this is. Wonderful program uh, where they would give coin out people bonus if their game did really well. <laughs> and I really have to hand it to Atari mm -hmm. for doing that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Consumer did not have it. So, you know, if anything I did for Consumer, I would get a bonus. And a lot of the Consumer people wanted a bonus too. And they found out coin out were, uh, were getting bonus. And um, so they came up with this, well, first of all, you know, you've heard all the story about Activision and the magic. Yeah. People oh, yeah. left because, yeah. Man, no, Manny, well, not Manny Gerard, um, our dear old men from Burlington Northern decided that engineers were a bunch of high-strung prima donnas and they didn't deserve any of that. It was all marketing selling this product, not engineering. Yeah, <laughs> do that. Well, they lost all their best engineers, yeah. so they wised up. And Magic and produced point, some amazing stuff. So. Right at that point, we decided, you know, we should get a little. They took all of our games and made tons of money, and we got no credit in Coinop, let alone any kind of royalties. And so there was a, a royalty program added later for you know consumer products that took our our game code and everything else. Uh -huh. Along those lines of, you know, when Asteroids was done, you know, I would have given them my source code, but they never asked for it. And so when they came down to the finished podcast, me review it, I said, that's a bunch of crap. They didn't even follow the same rules. Yeah. Somebody just played it and made up some different game that looks like it and called it that. And, Crazy. you know, Centipede was the same way. And I said, look, you guys, you have the source code. You can use it. Yeah. Do it right. Uh yeah. Oh, huh. If you ever they had like done ever... it right, like uh, how close to like an actual arcade experience do you think you could have replicated on the VCS? Not particularly well. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least they can get a few details right. Right. Now, of course, the VCS is a horizontal monitor and Centipede is a vertical monitor. So, oh, so there's a lot right there. Literary license with, and they should. But, you know, some of the other things, you know, that were, and I've seen a lot of games that were taken from our products and they were just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the whole story of, you know, things like Pac-Man where they said, you know, we give you, we want to release this in six weeks. We don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah. Give yeah, it to us yeah. in six weeks. We can sell it. Don't worry. This is like, yeah. they're full of shit. 
but that pissed yeah. a lot of people off though and then and then they make him as pac-man that's like super superior and it shows they could have done it if they wanted to that's right. that just pissed people off but yeah, yeah it can be done you know for some work well we it's were like, a marketing driven company at that point by basically some eastern high power execs yeah we really didn't understand engineering yeah all right ed i gotta ask uh did you ever do any easter eggs like did you put your name yeah your, put your name in, in like hit it <laughs> no i did not but i did like do an adventure easter egg later on um well, in san francisco rush the n64 version okay. i asked uh marky me if i could put rush the rock into it and i was told flat out no and don't you even think about it <laughs> i put it in anyway <laughs> good luck finding it and sure enough within two or three weeks Somebody already found the, the secret to exposing it. Wow. And was I, that I, I got shit for that. Was that discovered before it was released or no. after it was released? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was discovered after it was released. Okay, that's too late. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else have I done? I really haven't done any, any Easter eggs because, you know, early on we weren't allowed to tell we haven't put your names and initials or anything else. So I was just going to say, had Atari, any, didn't, Atari didn't like that, right? Yeah. So that was, I was going to come around to uh, David Crane. Um, how was he able to get his name on Pitfall then? You know, he went and did it for a magic. Oh, was it? It was Activision. Right? It was Activision. Oh, that's Activision. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. He left where, because that's, that was one that's of the right. David. <laughs> I'm doing okay. all these great games for you. At least put my name on the cart or package right. or something. Yeah, that's the least you yeah. can do. Yeah. yeah. And he put his name on like everything. I did Ghostbusters. See? <laughs> you know? <laughs> his name was on every game. It's the, you know. <laughs> so, well, shit. I mean, they programmed it by himself. So, why not? Later down the line, did Atari loosen up on that a little bit on, on the yes. games? And I, I don't remember what the consumer. Um, policy was at that point no, no, no. They, they had to wise up because they're losing too many people hey, you turn on atari football there you go <laughs> i know like like 720 like a bunch of the programmers names are uh, graffitied into some of the ramps and stuff like that like just their initials but well they actually have a full credits on that but still they're actually in the game yeah later on we could put our initials in the high score tables ah, okay and so you know the top three would probably be in the um, you know, memory saved EEPROM um, and the, the lower seven would probably just uh, was probably taken directly from the game prom and just seated. Um, what, ver what version of Tetris did you program? I, I did the version of Tengen version. I actually did two different versions that were taken to e a CES. First one was a January CES it was fully functional. It was, it was working pretty good. And afterwards, they wanted to make a little few improvements. And I found a way of doing much better looking version. And we took it to the June CES and showed it there. Interesting thing about, I got a couple interesting stories about Tengen Tetris. Is that is that a the arcade? That's not the arcade release, is it? No, my game code was taken to make the arcade version. And I don't know if I was asked to do it or I, you know, I turned him down. But anyway, I think Greg Rivera took over that project as well with Norm, probably with Norm Avalar. Ah, so okay. He probably took that project over too. 
but my two stories with Tetris are, um, the game was much better than the um, Nintendo released one. I'll give you three stories with Tetris. Let's put it that way. Even better. A bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First story is, I heard this, people would, you know, you could go to your Blockbuster and rent, you know, your cartridge for your uh, NES. And I found that people were, as a racket, basically going renting it, quote, losing it and paying the fee and then reselling it on eBay for 150, 200 bucks. Holy crap. Oh. Uh, second story. I was working for a company called TV Head. We were doing games for set-top boxes. And this was, you know, 10 years ago or so. Uh, and our manager went to Blue Planet, which is in Hawaii who owned all the worldwide rights to Tetris. And they asked, uh, you know, we'd like to license it. And, and, you know, and the owner of course of Blue Planet went rambled on and on about how good the product is. It's the best game ever, you know. And over here is, this is the best version ever done. And pointing to Tengen Tetris. My manager just smirked and said, you know, the same guy did that's gonna be doing our version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I, I'm sorry. What do you mean by um, set-top boxes? Is, is that like... Um... On your TV set. You have your remote for your TV. We created a proprietary system that would basically stream to 200 boxes an MPEG signal. Just like you, you have, you know, like your um, movies for rent at, at hotels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Select a game and it would stream your game to you. Okay, that's what I was wondering because I remember going to staying in some hotel rooms and they would have like, they would have games and stuff on their... It, on their box on the the tv box and, yeah, and I did okay. a, a dozen or so games for the set-top box and ah, that was okay. one of them oh interesting uh, what was the third story um sorry probably a lot <laughs> what was the oh i was at portland a year and a half ago up at the uh, uh arcade show and i walk in the first thing i see is world championship of tetris so I walk up to him and I ask him, what version are you using? Oh, we're working the original version of Tetris. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I know something you don't know. No, you're not. I did the original version. And out of that, I'm the first world champ. Take <laughs> <laughs> that. So they took uh, Mike Klug and I, I think Mike Klug and I went to the Russian Tea Room in New York City to do a worldwide premiere of Tetris. And we played off for a world championship. And I happened to squeak by and won. What version of Tetris oh. is on the uh, is on the, the versus um, on the red ten on the dual system? The, oh, arcade, the Nintendo like, versus on the Nintendo Must versus. Must be the Nintendo version. I feel like it's not though. I don't think it's like the straight NES version, right, Andrew? Isn't it? Isn't it? Is it ten? What version is uh, that? I thought I, I was going to say that it's Tengen. I thought it was too. Yeah, I don't I think they look have the up. rights to that. Um, I don't know how they got it. Yeah, I I could have sworn it was. Yeah, yeah, that's a quick because I because I I know that that's some it's not the the official Atari version like the art you know the little guy that dances and stuff. Um, that's that's how I separate. That's how I label the art. Yeah, the arcade version where the little guy comes out of the cabinet and dances. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, here it is. Uh, it says Tengen on the on the on the cart, the NES cart. 
for the NES, but yeah, but for the Nintendo the versus for the, the versus, and I can't but, picture like, I, for some reason I don't have the game, so I can't I can't picture it on on the yeah. red tent. Oh, and there was some story about the Tengen name too, right? Because Nintendo didn't want Atari logos on their games or something like that. I think it was like they, they limited the number of. Let me explain this. Games that could release or something like that. I was doing. I learned about the NES when I was in Japan in Namco, Japan. Um, so I got a development system. And I was saying, what game could I put on the NES? Well, let's do Centipede. So I completed Centipede on the NES. And then Atari found out that we may not have the rights to the game. So we actually had to sue Atari Inc. Or Atari, excuse me, Atari Corp. Because we were Atari Games Corp. The company was split into two companies when uh, Time Warner gave up the interest. They basically said, Tramiel, will you take this for $350 receivables? We'll give you, you know, $40 million or whatever it was. And will you take this? And he said, sure. And then the rest of the company, I guess Namco, we did something wrong with Namco. So they went back to Namco and said, instead of suing us, would you like Atari games? And they said, sure. So we we became part of Namco, Atari Games Corporation became mm-hmm. part of Namco. So we had two different Ataris and it wasn't clear who owned the rights to Centipede. So we actually had to sue the other Atari. It turns out we the judge threw up their hand and said, basically anything before this date, you know, the separation date belongs to Atari Corp and anything to do afterwards, afterwards. So I couldn't do a centipede on the NES. Mm-hmm. And then later when I saw, uh, I played uh, Tetris on an ST, I think. And I said, holy crap, this game's good. So I went to Dennis Wood and said, go get the license for this game. I want to do this game on the NES. And so he got the license through a British company got through Hungarian who got it through the Russia. Right. <laughs> and I suspect the Hungarian probably shortchanged Russia. So when uh, right. Namco went to Russia and said, for a million dollars, you give us the rights to uh, family computers or something. Huh. I'm sure Russia would say, sure, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's your problem. To, you know, it doesn't work. It does say that it's branded as 10 so there you go. Yeah. Just, uh, right. Supposed to be the versus let me, version. Let me continue this story. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what happened only. now is Atari wanted to do uh, consumer games, so they had to come up with a different name. And so that's where we came up with Tengen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mm. forgot about that. But we couldn't use the name Atari for Atari games. Weird. Now, yeah. In, in addition, Nintendo would play games with the NES. So basically, you know, they had unlimited cartridges they could sell. But for you, we'll limit yours to 100,000 or something. You know, whatever fictitious number they want to limit us to. So we went and tried to reverse engineer their uh, system to basically bypass the security chip. And that's where we uh, ran into trouble. Because oh. the lawyers screwed up. Went and got something they shouldn't have gotten. Because no. we'd already reverse engineered it. <laughs> we'd already stripped the silicon off and figured out. How it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, the, the fact that you, you reverse engineered it. It was you reverse engineer it and there might have been a suspicion that it was. Uh, we went, by, the lawyers by went to the patent office and got a description of how the chip works. And because our lawyers had it, obviously we must have had it, which tainted our chips. Oh, crap. Stolen. Mm. Stolen plans. So if they just left it alone and <laughs> we reverse engineered it, they wouldn't have that argument. 
Oh. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> oops. That was an expensive mistake. Uh, at least the, have... the tension cartridges at least were freaking cool with the <laughs> with the sloped uh handle. I yeah. had tube I had tubing. That was that was um when I I had first that was one of the many Atari games I had played on NES before I realized there was an arcade version. And I'm like <laughs> I thought I thought this game was so good and then I saw the arcade <clears throat> version. And I'm like Oh, this is what it really is supposed to be. It's just, <laughs> but if if they're if you're going to be in- introduced to a game, that's the way to do it because then it can only get better, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Ed, have you happened to see the uh, Tetris documentary? Uh, I think it's called Ecstasy of Order. Order, yes. I don't think right? I've seen that. Oh, Aaron, yeah. te- Tetris at all? <laughs> I found it an amazing uh, uh, documentary. It's, uh, it's good. Kind of follow a, a competition with uh i think it goes back even to the kids that were playing it on the nes and then it yeah shows it came out on the uh, a guy that was long before it came out on the nes yeah yeah this is this is just showing people that are like really good at the game and uh kind of follows uh, uh the paths of a few different people and then they all come together near the end of the movie at a competition that they do to really try to find out who is the best best person at the game and this one guy who's kind of like reclusive finally comes out of his shell just to come down there just to kind of show his skills off and to me that's there you know i talk about people's mutant powers like gak has a mutant power to be able to figure out what arcade machine is and what what uh, arcade cabinet, cabinet. yeah, yeah. Based on a profile. just by a profile yeah <laughs> so these guys this is their mutant power they they can play tetris where they're just like an automatic mode where they're just spinning it, throwing it down. And it gets to the point where the, the pieces drop so fast that yeah. you have a split second. Your decision. What is it, level these guys are just in a zone. Yeah. They're in a zone. And they talk about that in the, in the, in the, in the documentary about how you, you get to a certain level that is pretty much unbeatable, but level you try 30. to survive as long as you can. Oh, level 30. 30. Yeah. I thought it was 20. Yeah. 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 So, and the whole thing is like, you basically 30 becomes like the kill screen because stuff drops so fast that you can't do it without, Doing the special technique of like vibrating the controller or something like that, <laughs> yeah. and, they have, yeah. and then there's a the luck factor, yeah, 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 and there's oh, and the, and and there's that weird uh, situation where the long piece won't come down sometimes. A drought for like the drought, waiting for the long piece. <laughs> Where's the long piece? So yeah, the documentary is a lot of fun. So yeah. do they? Um, I I've only seen it once, and that was a long time ago. Do they? Yeah. Do they talk about? Do they have any programmers talking about? any of the i don't think they interviewed that seems people. like something that that might be that was missing in the yeah. uh documentary it was mostly people that are just let me give like, you a really little good story about that because when i done my original version i had random pieces ordered so when i did the reversion for the set-top box blue planet required me to do the new method which is basically you throw all 10 pieces into you reorder the 10 pieces into a kit. And when that set is done, you get another set of 10 pieces in a, uh-huh. some random order. So you're guaranteed to have a red long piece come down every 10, basically. Oh, okay. Oh. That's not I how the NES one was programmed. Cheap. It's oh. kind of, I think it's just thrown a random, a random number. Yeah, a random thing. Ooh. That's what it seemed yeah. like anyway. <laughs> I think they talk about that in the documentary that it's random. So yeah, that, that it's too bad it wasn't programmed that way. It should be. Yeah, they, they talk about like like thirty piece runs with a, a drought of not getting a long bar. Right, mm-hmm. it was just like and that's Whoa. just that's, that's just yeah. the bad 30, luck. 40, of 50 the, pieces. Just bad luck. bad luck of it. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think yeah. of Clax. Oh, another Atari game. Yeah. Yes. 
I've been so the, playing a lot. Of, I love the Tetris. Platforms. The Tetris that was not the for Nintendo versus or whatever. Uh, they were only kits, right? Conversion kits, or were there dedicated original machines? Because that's remember. one of the first games that I remember. Like, I never paid attention to like what was a conversion or anything back in the day, but that was the first time I recognized because it was a tapper. You know, it had the cup holders. Oh on the yeah. Sides. But yeah, it was uh, it was Tetris. It had been now, converted to Tetris. You will run it, Gak. You'll run into people on Clav. There's few threads where there's a there's it's debates about whether or not there was a legit dedicated but um there's it's and ed maybe can can confirm or deny this but there's definitely some people that swear that there's de uh, there there was one dedicated upright tetris and one dedicated um cabaret which is identical to the clax cabaret. Clax, i was gonna say that yeah, yeah. but um and i the clacks come on 89 or 88 because Tetris was 88, I think. Uh, 89 is the uh, coin op version. Okay. It was a kit only. As far, as far as my notes go, it's a kit only. Okay. Right. Clax was a uh, an upright, it was a, a cabaret, and it had kits. Yeah. Because Carrie's got, I mean, I'm staring at it right. She's got a, a, a cabaret clax. Um, and it's ba it's basically home use only. It's beautiful, and I play it almost daily when I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, Clax came out in '90. Okay, I love fucking love Clax. Clax is I mean, a, that's the whole tagline, right? It's, right? it's the '90s. '90s is uh, time for Clax. And then there's time for Clax. <laughs> yep. For and Clax. it's got the, one of the, the great Atari um, uh, uh, get a T-shirt screens the advertisement screens in it and it's a dip switch you can turn it on or off but why would you ever turn it off because it's so so charming to see the like uh if you get this score or whatever send in to atari and i'm sure it's some address that doesn't you know there's nothing there anymore but yeah, yeah i think the idea was that in the in the arcade uh the um the promotion would be off and they didn't want people still going for the promotion while it was oh, actually sure. in the arcade that's what happened to Josh with the Road Blasters T-shirt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, even though he, he thought he Tubin, still Tubin had one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even Mortal Kombat had had one for the soundtrack. You could buy the CD. <laughs> well, I should have shown you guys this. I have a gauntlet T-shirt. Oh, nice! Oh, oh cool! Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it looks... that, like was that created back in the '80s, or is that a the original one? was produced back in 85, 86. Oh. Um, this, I think, was a reproduction because my other one probably died. So yours doesn't have pit stains. <laughs> <laughs> Clean as a whistle, yeah. Actually, so, yeah. Let me ask you, what do you, what'd you think of the uh, reproductions of the Gauntlets, the 3D version that came out later? Oh, like, like um, he worked Gauntlet on some Legends. Of them. I'm familiar Legends. with them. Yeah. Uh, I'd seen them and played them a little bit. Um, you know, it's the third generation, so the concept is a little older. Um, the third, the 3D, I don't think adds anything to it, in the sense that most a lot of some people don't have really have really problems with 3D, and so it, it it's not as easy, right? From that standpoint, than a top down. Yes, I guess the where I was going with the question is: Do you feel a little bit honored that someone revived Gauntlet? You know, some, your baby. Well, it's not my baby. It's Atari's baby. <laughs> yeah, I started a mess, yes. Um, 
I mean, to a certain degree, yes. Um, but you know, if if they screw it up, you know, it's like, oh God, you know, right? You're pissed, so you know, you're never sure. And they did okay. I mean, they did a good job of it. I mean, technically, they did a good job. Well, that's kind of a segue then for my my question, and and forgive me if you answered it while I was away. But uh, what what is your favorite? Like, why are you most proud? What's your favorite game that yet? Okay. Like, maybe not what. Well, I guess they they could kind of coincide. The what's your most proud of game but like what did you have the most fun making or what was what's your your pride and joy i, I don't really have a specific you know best or most fun game top three <laughs> <laughs> i would say super breakout asteroids and centipede probably all right of them all yeah, yeah awesome. they're all great me and Dave are just talking about centipede. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just sold mine, but I'm my I have an eight year old son, and the only reason I sold I, I want to get another one is just I didn't like my cabinet. It had like side art issues, like as far as aesthetically, you know, like I, I, it was the first game I got. And I'm like, was it too beat up? Yeah, it was beat up. It was beat uh, up, and boy, I, I thought I lost two years of my life pushing it up my six set six steps because it is so heavy. I had a big oh, guy. Atari cabinet is just. Oh my god! Yeah, just always moving it. I'm like, this is. Good. I mean, I was, It's only six steps up out of my basement, but I called my big friend to be at the bottom, and I was up pulling the the hand truck. And I'm like, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I think I'm dying. I'm dying. Next question for Ed: Why are Atari cabinets so heavy? Uh, <laughs> they love the a last. particle board. Yeah. Yeah, they're built to last, and I I may handle them by myself. Take yeah, it's no gotta truck. find the balance point. We all we all do. <laughs> yeah, when you were talking about taking a hand truck to get your super breakout, I was thinking, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> you know, what you do is you grab the handle on top and you just jerk back and it leans yeah. back. <laughs> you know, I had a, I picked up my asteroids, which is here working. It's behind here. I love it. And when I picked it up, I put it in the back of my I have a minivan, and I was like pushing it out by myself, and I. I hit the point where it was sliding off, Uh-oh. where it was too much. To, and I'm like, literally, like, oh, my God, it's going to fall. And I'm just, like, holding it, and there's nobody around. <laughs> and I'm like, the neighbor kid was I'm like, Josh, can you come over here for a second? Like, I was almost <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Do I do I put it back on the car and then try and back up my minivan? Like, this thing is going to fall. I was, I, was, I was in this panic mode. And then he finally came out and you know saved me. We we pushed it up. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm losing the battle here big time. Like I'm just oh this thing's Let gonna fall on the ground. Uh, I was at Atari one Friday afternoon, and Greg Rivera was gonna take a game out the field test. So he got the company truck, put his game on it. A few minutes later, he comes back and says, I went around the corner outside and the game flipped out. So I went outside ah. to pick it out. So here you see that all four panels, you know, of the game. Lane flat monitor. Uh-huh. Oh no! <laughs> I said, "Fine, don't worry about it." <laughs> so yeah, you have to be careful because they'll right over the side. So of course, it didn't have it secured. There have been plenty oh, no. of times, Gino and you, you mean care you know, like X, <clears throat> were moving so many games, and some of those Atari cabs, especially the ones that are uh, notoriously like top heavy and everything, and mm-hmm. like. And I'm not, I'm a pretty slender guy. And so like on some of those games are so heavy that if I'm, I'm hand, manhandling them, even with the best dolly to get them started, I'm off the ground just to get them tipped yeah. back. Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the scariest like 
four seconds and then and then it's fine after that <laughs> yeah yeah at the time i was moving those games around i was 153 pounds so okay yeah you can relate then <laughs> oh yeah Owen, Owen on, on the IRC chat is asking if, if you know anything about the drop tests uh, that they put the hardware through the, the cabinets and stuff. I do not know much about it. I was in another building and we go over there during you know production runs to check on things, how they were going. But, um, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know enough about what they were doing over there. I go over and watch the wave solder machine, which I thought was amazing. Take a PC board and then they run it through this wave solder machine and just solders everything at once. Yes, <clears throat> I've seen those. Things. It's basically like a bath of solder, right? I mean, bath of solder, and they just run it over. Yeah. Now, you, have you guys seen a? Uh, you've seen a, a, a system one board, right? Mm-hmm. And you've seen a gauntlet board. Oh yeah, about Similar. the same size. Yeah. Similar. Yeah, not in size. No, no. I mean, obviously two pieces and then it seems like it's yeah. rearranged. The story of Gauntlet is, you know, because they were going to have to modify the system one to do what I wanted, it was going to be even bigger. And so I said, no, we can't do that because it's not going to fit in the back of the cabinet. <laughs> <clears throat> so I said, you know, we could do it if we had four layer boards. Because a lot of the problem with more big boards like theirs is RF noise as well as signal noise. And the thing about a four-layer board is you got a power plane, a ground plane, and the board noise basically disappears. So all the bypass caps and everything, you don't, you don't need those anymore. <clears throat> Not only that, you can run traces right between pins and or two traces between pins and everything like that. Problem is our CAD system couldn't handle that yet. And of course, four-layer boards are twice the expense. And I thought, well, it'd be half the size, so it's worth it. Yeah. So I got the CAD people to <clears throat> upgrade the software and we actually did a gauntlet board in four layer board and after that all our games were in four layers wow. the came out so clean you wouldn't believe it and we had so an anechoic chamber by the way to, to test these in <clears throat> if you've ever been in anechoic chamber it's a real experience i've been in one at apple that's a pretty cool experience it's creepy you go in and you start hearing your heartbeat and, yes. <laughs> and the air molecules hitting your your eardrums it's just really weird and then you regress to a monkey. <laughs> Some people, I take them in there and they'd freak out. They just couldn't handle it. An altered states joke, by the way. Yeah, it is an altered state. It really is. Yeah. You want to hear some other interesting stories? Sure, yeah. It's whatever you got. Oh, I'm uh, just kidding. No, only the non-interesting ones. <laughs> we limit our guests to like three interesting stories. All right, I'll take the steel talons. Because steel talons, I wanted to have fogging because, you know, you could probably drive draw four or 500 polygons, not much in the hardware. It was hard driving hardware, by the way. So if you're familiar with hard driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen the game. None of us are any good at it or anything. Um, yeah, well... <laughs> I wanted to create these big worlds and it's like, you know, that's too many polygons. So I needed to fog to make things disappear. So I didn't have to draw them. So I went oh, to the interesting. Jet and said, you know, I want to do this. And they said, no, you can't do that. I said, well, sure you can. Just change your microcode so I can do this. No, you can't do that. <laughs> it won't work. So I figured out a way to how to do it in, in pallets because you had a lot of pallets on hard drive hardware. So I'd implemented the fogging just using uh, different color palettes. 
And so wow. when I came in one day and here's Jed Marlin showing his girlfriend, look what they did with my hardware. <laughs> Stuff that they said they couldn't they Yeah, work. they couldn't do it. Yeah, they couldn't work. <laughs> wow. uh, another interesting yeah. story. First time I took it to field test. If you're familiar with steel, steel talons, your double sit down cabinet. Um, Is that the one with those like kind of big girders with the holes in them on the side? Well, you basically like climb into a cockpit on either yeah. side, your right side. It's a big machine. It's, yeah. a, it's a big machine. Oh, wow, I'm looking at a picture. Yeah, it reminds me of T-Mac almost. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I was watching the first guy who played it. And the first time you get shot, of course, I have this knocker, this pinball knocker underneath his seat. It hits the seat underneath what knockers. It. Yeah, it's a pinball. I used to go whack. And you know, he just like, oh shit, he jumped like hell. And I realized after I went and checked it after a while, they over voltage the knocker. Oh no. Almost knocked him, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, it really kicked him good. Oh wow. Well, there's a uh, another interesting yeah, there's those went down holes, to yeah. through the uh, uh, helicopter simulator down there. God, and, that's a uh, huge footprint. Here. Yes. <laughs> and then I found out later that when they saw the Steel Talons game, uh, they thought that I'd uh, implemented the secret elevator on the um, one of the attack Apache helicopters or something. So they went and went down to the guy, gave the guy who ran the uh, simulator shit, and he basically said, it's my facility. I can do anything I damn well please. And it turns out, you know, I'm trying to draw this helicopter in 50 polygons or less. So there's no way I'm doing anything moves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way. But the interesting, another interesting one, I took a field test. If you sit in the cabinet, to get the coin box, you have to sort of reach out and arm, you know, as, as far as you can with your arm and lift the box up and then out. So at the end of a week, you know, I go and I was going to take collections. So I reach in there, oh God, I try to lift, that box is jammed. I could not physically get it. So I'm down with my head and both hands in the box trying to realize it until I realize it's full of coins. Oh, <laughs> too heavy. Oh, wow. And it, you can't lift box. it at that awkward angle. So we had to oh. sign and says, ask people to please empty the coin box every two or three days. Oh, wow. you That's a good problem to have. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really, I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, um, like, I'm trying to think. Uh, that's a that's a fun question. I don't think we've ever had that on our show. Is about um, like what's the biggest coin bucket you've encountered with a game, and uh, some of those Konami, the, the, like well, like I'm sure Gauntlet has a huge and it's plastic. It's this huge plastic thing, and and I remember when I um, my first two coin doors, so you yeah. got two boxes. Yeah, yeah. So you and, split the you split the coin box, but here's a, a Steel Talents, which is fifty cents per play. And oh. And both players using the same, you know, ah, same box. Geez. So it got to be so heavy. And it's because it's so in an awkward position, you can't get it out easily. Oh, man. <laughs> Makes you curious, like, well, you said that one was full. I wonder what the, te what the total of that is. Like, it was what... about 1000 bucks, but, you know, wow. you know that's 4,000 coins. Coins, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah 4,000 quarters, how much does that weigh? A lot, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I when I um my the first game that I that I had in my collection, the first game I, I fixed up and restored was a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Quarter Muncher, and um 
and I remember uh, the you know then that has two coin doors and what, but I had it was in a cabinet that had a four slot coin door. It was a conversion, and but it had a huge. It was a four player game, but one coin bucket. Okay. And, yeah. And I would use it as a piggy bank. I was on a bowling league and we would play, you know, if you get strikes, you know, you get a quarter or whatever. We, we pooled our money. And so I'd walk home most nights with a pile of quarters and I just put them in there. That was like my piggy bank. And at one point I was like, you know, the, the bucket's huge and it's, and it's about there. I'm just going to empty this out. And then whatever I have, I'll use for my next game. And I, had, I emptied it out and it was like, literally like it was maybe not even a tenth of the bucket and it was three hundred and fifty dollars. And I'm just like like I can't imagine like <laughs> the yeah. operators dumping this thing out and how many hundreds and hundreds of dollars at the end of the week they had. It just blew my mind and and again like then it kind of put things in perspective with operators and you see these flyers now and they're charming because it's talking about earnings as much as the addictive gameplay and you think wow yeah how, like you're saying how quick people get their ROI back from buying a game that's you know the equivalent equivalent of like ten thousand dollars you know nowadays uh for some of those games it just it it's mind-boggling but it makes complete sense but as a hobbyist as a collector you don't necessarily think of that so so ed to answer your question with a little bit of quick internet research uh 22 pounds is uh <laughs> is what it's 50 pounds it's 50 pounds it's 50 pounds yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 22 kilos yeah okay <laughs> it's still insane oh, wow. yeah. yeah especially yeah. at a low awkward angle that you have to extend your arm yeah, like... you're extending your arm and then lifting straight up and then out yeah, and hopefully you're a twenty-something no. because uh, any of us now would probably be sore in our right shoulder for a week. My back. <laughs> you have to understand that I was thirty-one when I did asteroids, and you know, I was I was the old fart basically, Atari. Although you know I didn't look it, and even when I went to TV head later on, there was an older guy. He said, "Yeah, I'm the oldest guy here. I have most experience." And I said. Well, I don't think so. Oh, dear. Well, you know, I'm 50. Well, I'm 60. <laughs> and do you have any great anecdotes or any great memories you want to share of Atari? We've heard of, we've heard the hot tub stories and this and that. Oh, yeah. you think you want to I have... was not part of the hot tub scene or the. Uh, <laughs> there was a uh, there was a call sign for "Come on up and we'll smoke pot upstairs," you know, and I, I was not part of that group either. The Bob and Owens did the same thing. They said, nah, we weren't part of those parties. It was exaggerated. I think that was uh, uh, when Bob came, we would already moved to Milpitas, but 1272 is where a lot of that stuff went on. Uh, well, even in 1501 on, on McCarthy Avenue, they had the hot tub. So we still had hot tub same scene there. Were you, um, were you working on the marketing department? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you said, you said, your wife had an asteroids uh, before you guys, was it before you got married? I think you said. Yes. Um, so, so how did you meet your wife then? Like uh, she was dating Ed Rothberg at the time. <laughs> oh, scandal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I went to a Christmas party and Ed Rothberg said, Hey, I want you to meet the best. So mm -hmm. I was introduced to, uh, she was introduced to as the best. 
<laughs> and you said I programmed that game, and that was all it took. And <laughs> I, I worked on asteroids. And you do you have the golden wow. asteroids? Yeah, turtle roids. You don't know about turtle roids, do you? No. no. Ooh, new story. <laughs> Let's hear. That right, sounds like something you need a cream for. Well, <laughs> every year we would go off and brainstorm. We go off to Sonoma or Boulder Creek or somewhere, and every year. Mike Albu would issue, uh, create this idea for doing a turtle game, turtle races. Whereas the idea is to increase your volume slowly, but if you increase it too fast, turtle goes into your shell, hooks, hooks down. And of course, the idea is to you know increase your volume, 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 and, and get first place. And of course, every year it gets shot down. And so finally, one year, Frank Blue got him and said, "No turtle games." I don't want to hear turtles, no turtles, nothing. <laughs> we brought, we had one of the uh, waiters bring over a drink with a wind up turtle in it. Um, everything was turtles. So somebody said, can you put, change the saucer and asteroids to turtle? I said, sure. So we had the gold asteroids out in the, um, right in the front of our 1272. So we substituted the graphic eight proms and out came this turtle. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, 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 how funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> I must have died. Wow. I, I'm pretty I sure I remember at CAX a few years ago, there was an asteroid. It was either like Google or eBay, or I think it was Google or something. The logos. Does that sound familiar, Lewis? Do you remember that? Mm -mm, I'm not ringing uh, the bell. No, somebody, somebody did a hack on them. Instead of the asteroids, they were like the, I think the logo for Google or something like that. <laughs> yeah. well, I missed the story about the gold, the gold asteroids. Yeah, what, so the golden yeah, we, asteroids, right? Fifty thousand. There was the golden asteroids. Yeah, that one. There we go. Who's that handsome guy? Yeah, yeah, that's that's me when I was back in my fighting strength, <laughs> I guess you'd say. <laughs> What's the story behind this gold asteroids that I missed? Today? I'm sorry. It's got one red. It's like the seventy-fifth <laughs> version, or you know, seventy-five thousand. Asteroids, and so they created one that was to be the man. Oh, I get it. I get it. Like, like a gold record. Grand, it's worth. It's fifty grand. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the you know the the final you know big. What's was, that, was that given to you, or where did that one wind up? It was in the. I think it's in the home of one of the Midway Chicago executives now. Okay, that's the last I heard of it. Because it was put on a 18 wheeler and sent off to Chicago. And now right. sits in K Jewelers. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's in his, they, uh, his home somewhere. They uh, love to do that. Ever. They like made it, they made some gold DeLoreans too. You know, they love to make things out of gold back then. That was the, yeah, that was the 80s. Yeah. What was the story behind the different, um, control panel art? Like, why was there another one made or, you know, the alternate one? You know what I'm talking about, Ed? For asteroids. So there's an alternate um, version of the control panel. Is art. that not the Willits one? Willits, I'm I think. Familiar with, I'm only familiar with the one that I really hated. George <laughs> Opperman did that. And I, if I'd have seen it, I told him, no, go back to the drawing board. <laughs> and basically, the red, white, and blue graphics yeah, on yeah, the pan, directly onto the panel, the black panel. Yeah, that's the only one I'm aware of. Well, there was the aftermarket one. Uh, I think Willits was the Willis. 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 W i l i s. It's red. 
they also did a centipede as well that yeah they've done a bunch but yeah. Yeah. that's just a third party that just did whatever they wanted and threw it out there for people to put on their cabinets for operators to replace yeah. overlays or worn out and they wouldn't they recreate the original art huh? they probably that, have to get the rights for it i had a willis control yeah. panel on my okay, so that's part of the reason i okay. sold it. it was well not just that but the side art was peeling and all this stuff it just said issues i'm getting another centipede but but there were yeah, a lot of like, people that actually ripped off our games. You know, I remember Centipede in particular was ripped off. Uh, up in Toronto, I went to a case where, you know, they had their legal expert and said, you know, it looks different, therefore it's obviously different. And if you dump the EPROMs outside of copyright Atari and a few other things, it's word for bite for bite. Wow. Wow. EPROMs are yeah. identical. And it was Isn't like there, was, an expert reviewing this. <laughs> was there another company that released asteroids as well? Was Midway or something? Was there... uh, Meteors maybe? Or no, Meteor. isn't there somebody that said that uh, they sold it? Maybe it was overseas or something. That there was well, another... overseas they ripped off asteroids. And... Did someone another company distributed asteroids? It didn't say Atari. It said another company. I thought I heard. I think it was Sega overseas. Oh, there you go. Yes. I thought that was Missile Command on that. Asteroids, one. but not asteroids. Or how about like the uh, the Vectrex uh, mine? Is a Mindstorm? I think it's called, right, Carrie? Yeah, yeah, it's Mindstorm. So that's sort of like the asteroids ripoff, I think, isn't it? But this was at the same yeah. time asteroids was coming out. So I don't know if that's the same game we're talking about or not. You're talking about another coin uh, that was a ripoff of. It was a great coin game, an yeah. absolute ripoff. Uh, wow. But so so it wasn't licensed. If there is, if another company distributed asteroids overseas, you know that was just a ripoff. That there was no agreement yeah. with another company to release it, like you know, in Europe or whatever. It wasn't Atari. Like, all right, we'll sell you the rights because we're not going to distribute it over there. Or we actually had a factory in Ireland. And we did distribute in Europe. Oh, okay. But it was all things right. like Asia and stuff like that that people would just rip stuff off. Oh, okay. But it was Europe too. Eastern Europe could do it easily. There was a, a question in the IRC uh, for, for Ed. Is, is there um, is that that Turtles Asteroids version ROM uh, available anywhere? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, but I do have the original artwork. So if you could dump the uh, uh, program, you could find the original saucer. You could substitute these values for it, and it would work. Oh, how funny! Someone right. scanned that artwork. Special project. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I have a scan of it too. Oh, I damn. Actually, I have the original uh, graph paper where I drew it and wrote the coordinates. Wow. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit you up on the, on the sidebar later. You had nine games, so you, you said you had, so you don't have any uh, full-size arcade games left anymore. You got rid of them? Well, I'm retired now. I'm an old fart. So well, I, I thought maybe you keep one. You know, it has very yeah. limited space. Oh, okay. So I gave. Uh, I think I sold three of them and uh, put five or six in my daughter's home up in Sacramento. Oh, cool. So shuffleboard's your game now. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Send all of your asteroids marquees to Edlock at what's your address? <laughs> no. Uh, it's surprising. I, you know, I moved here. Ed, what, what, do you remember what other? Within weeks, I got these fan letters saying, would you please autograph this and send it back to me? It's like, how in the hell did they find my place already? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. <Turkey> down. 
Yeah, what nine games did you have? You, you said yeah, you had two asteroids and uh, yeah, two you said you had a Robotron. I had a Cabaret Tempest because they were going to trash them and said, no, let's sell them to the employees. So for 250 bucks, I bought a Cabaret Tempest. Wow. I had a Robotron, a Super Breakout, I had Maze Invaders, a Millipede, Gauntlet, Super Breakout, Robotron, Maze Invaders, Asteroids, Gauntlet, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that, and a Cabaret Centipede. What does oh, your daughter man. have? I've got one of those in storage. I just ran out of space. Speaking of well, space, that's. <laughs> I love the cabaret size. It's great. Oh, me too. With mm. that, the are awesome. 19 inch monitor. Like, yeah. The Atari, they knew what they were doing with their cabarets. Yeah, those were intended for, you know, things like restaurants and stuff that, you know, very limited space. And they, they look nice enough that they don't look like an arcade piece. Mm hmm. Have you seen the, what, the, wood grain, the wood grain sides? And, have yeah. you seen the countertop games that are. You know, about the size of a you know a Mac monitor. You know that make you know, a you touch. Can play, you can play poker. Or, you know, whatever on them. You know, yeah. so yeah, Jim, I might Jim I might know a little bit about those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, one. We had I, a cabinet uh, in Atari once, and my boss uh, Dan Van Elder went on vacation, so I took a gauntlet cabinet, a gauntlet PC board, stuck it in power supply, put a mon the monitor was already in there, and uh, I had the harness built up. And I put a two-player uh, control panel on it. So when he came back, he's on his desk. Here's a two-player gauntlet. Awesome. That's how well the four-layer four board fit inside you know, as far as a small cabinet. It's wow, really that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It you look at that and say, you're kidding me. I'm picturing like Dillinger's desk in Tron, and it's, it's gauntlet he's playing. <laughs> With all of his uh, the the fake touch touch panels, yeah, yeah, I love those countertop games. I, I, I talked about shoes, shoes, shoes and Ar they, Arkanoid. They did, um, yeah, all that, yeah. Even Arkanoid's one game that I when I saw it, I said, "Why didn't I think of that?" <laughs> done all that oh, oh, Ed, you'd like this. You'd like this story. So <clears throat> I'm a huge Arkanoid fan. I've got. Um, my favorite game out of the series is Arkanoid 2. But um, when I, I, I got into this hobby when I was in my early 20s. And um, and that was like the third or fourth game. Like early on, my mom was helping me. Because at the time, I was living at home. And she helped me with the artwork and stuff. But anyways, I moved out. And like my fourth game or so was this Arkanoid 2. And my mom loves Breakout. Because uh, we'd play that on Atari with the paddles and stuff. She comes over to my apartment and I had just finished it and she starts playing the game I'm like, oh my God, I like this game. This is this is like breakout. And she just like got addicted yeah, to is. it. And and um and that's like one of the few memories I have that where my mom was into the games is because and that's her thing. She's like, This is just like breakout. And why are these things falling? I'm like, Well, I had to explain to her, but um they're power-ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean it's basically that's the way I always explain it. I'm like, this is What's Arcanide? Well, it's, have you ever played Breakout? It's Breakout on steroids. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And Jim, Jim has video series on YouTube showing how to beat the game, and he's really good at it. <laughs> right, Jim? It's a, fun, it's a fun game. It'll never yeah. leave. Like it, it'll never leave my collection. I mean, um, now, speaking of Grinkers, we, we talked about that arcade, um, uh, our event and stuff. They had Breakout in the tournament 
Mm -hmm. And um, I hadn't played the arcade version in years. I'd played it like maybe once. And that was a game I just kept coming back to. I didn't care about the other games because it's just, it's such a... Was it Breakout or Super Breakout? Regular. I think it was just regular Breakout. I think it was just the first Breakout. And um, it's just such a good game. Like the the best games I I, I always find are the ones that are simple to learn, simple to pick up, difficult to master. Uh, Because those are the ones you keep coming back to, and that's a prime example. And yeah, we had Breakout on Atari. I think we might have had Super Breakout. Um, I always liked Super Breakout because it had the the additional options, you know. But um, oh, I like Progressive Breakout. That was my favorite. But you may not be aware the original version I did was actually six different versions. There was the uh, there were you know you could hit the side of bricks on three of my versions and stuff like that. And oh, okay. eventually, you know, I field tested two sets and the one that worked best, of course, are the three favorite ones, the, the pocket, the uh, double breakout and the uh, progressive breakout, which I okay. Hey, uh, Lewis, can you um, bring on your screen um, Gak's uh, link you I just found, posted? I found the, the uh, eBay asteroids. Yeah, the video of it. Show that to... Uh, so Ed. it was at Cax a few years ago. Someone modded the, the an actual asteroids cabinet and instead of asteroids, they were the letters for eBay. So oh. like the letters <laughs> would pop up and you shoot them. And there's a video I linked uh, in our chat. Stand by. So, Let me see if I can like get a this. sprite swap, but not sprites. Is but... this in the chat? Yeah, in our, our chat. So on Zoom. Well, Lewis, yeah, maybe yeah, Lewis can, uh, Lewis can bring it on IRC. screen, maybe. Uh, Is this the YouTube video? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want me to click on the link or you want me to just wait for the video to clear? Uh, uh, I think right. Arcade Danger is working on it. Yeah. I'm gonna try to share it. I mean, it's not gonna kill anything if you click on it. No, no. Uh, Before we end, we should probably can't share, guys. uh, My my system settings are all blocked up. Thank you, Macintosh. I'm sorry, Ed. What did you say? We should probably talk about early development systems. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, there it is. This is this is the (laughs) the eBay. Oh wow. That's oh, that's funny. You know, Jason Kopp is a older version of, of Asteroids. I don't know if we've... Uh, that guy is a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Where he just took basically the the fact that you could assign a brightness level and change it to instead read a color. So he has reverse engineered Asteroids in some bizarre ways. Very interesting. Oh, Jason. Uh, yeah. Arcade yeah. Jason. Yeah. 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 And, and so basically you can play Same Asteroids colors. in color on a 6100 monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a link for that on youtube somewhere we should find that that's a guy where he's like i could just picture him just kind of being bored like it's like it's a sunday afternoon it's rainy outside you know this would be kind of cool i'm gonna do that like (laughs) i just don't i don't get it yeah he's like reverse engineering how to stop a car batteries from decaying i'm like god what is happening (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what was the development development environment like yeah, talk about that. This this back in 1978 when I joined Atari, February probably. Uh, the way they worked, they had a black box and you plug the connector into the processor. So uh, actually what you do is you plug the HP analyzer onto a processor. We had like one or two HP analyzers around. So you could actually take a look and see what instructions were actually uh, that had been actually executed. But there was a black box that, uh, that you could 
basically stop. I don't know if you could put break, I guess you could put breakpoints, I don't remember now. But you loaded the memory by taking a paper tape and feeding it through the machine. So you had a paper tape that would wow. basically load your program. And you had a, uh, a listing that you used to follow what was what, you, what matched on the paper tape. And how you made changes? Well, you marked up your listing, you took an eight by 11 sheet, wrote down another instruction, said insert here, and you gave it to these ladies that had one PD machine and they would enter the program, add whatever snide comments they wanted, give you your listing back and a new paper tape. And so, you know, you get back and, you know, you did something like this and you, you see the snide comment, you know, from one of the gals that had entered your, your program. A footnote. <laughs> so, of course, this would take a little time. And I was, when I started, they said, here, we want you to continue this game that uh, Dennis Koble had started and he went up to consumers, so you're taking his place. So, and it was dirt bike. So I started on dirt bike, but you know, once you, once you give the listing away, it's like, you've got to wait for the next paper tape. So you got time to kill. So one lunch owner Ruben comes in and said, you know, Nolan Bush and I were talking the other day and he said, he has this wonderful idea for doing another game, breakout game that would, you know, you can hit, do this, you could do that. And then I can do that. So I started a, a super breakout game and I'd ping pong between the two games. I'd change the graphic EPROMs between the two and I get the new listing play super breakout for a while, put it away, nope, take the dirt bike, plug the EPROMs in and do dirt bike for, so I was ping pong between two games. First wow. time I've been done in Atari. That's a, that sounds wow. difficult to me. Just, so it actually, like, I have trouble tested going two games at the same time, dirt bike and super breakout, but super breakout beat away dirt bike. So they decided not to build it. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I have trouble enough, like, my job going between two projects, but just instantly bouncing back and forth. I can't imagine doing a couple games like that. Um, They're simple games, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Sure, coming from from you, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was yeah. only thirty. You know, you're young. You can. You're you're practically a god. And you can do anything. <laughs> when you say dirt bike, I, it always makes me think of stunt cycle for some reason. Um, it's very much, you know, it took one of the old sprint games. And you put a handlebar in it for a dirt bike. Yeah. yeah. Did, did so you cool. actually twist twist the handle to, to accelerate, or do you have like how would you? Uh, I don't remember now, but yeah, I used it to you know to jump and stuff like that, pull up on her or something. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you guys actually built the prototype and play tested. It just never never made it past the prototype stage. You know, we actually you know built a good cabinet. You know, put the control on it, put the PC board and everything else in it, and. And the PC board was running the same as, uh, you know, I mean, it was a super breakout and dirt bike with basically the same board with different EPROMs in it. Oh, wow. Wow. Super dirt breakout. Yeah. <laughs> how, how frustrating was it, though, to like have a game just about done and then Atari just goes, yeah, we're not going to do that one. It's like, did that happen? How, did that happen? Yeah, that it happened very often. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, happened that, quite that, often. Was there ever a game that you, oh, I think Gak actually asked this question or someone did about that, or maybe it was you, Mark, that about like, was there ever a game that you were really excited about that never actually came to fruition? Like never, no. they scrapped? Okay. I, I started some games and it got to a point where I started playing and said, you know, this sucks. 
that's one thing but if you have something you really like that you think can be great like i heard a story i don't remember who the programmer for tempest but they i remember them talking about how they knew it was a hit because people kept coming in to play it (laughs) so well they come in and say are you going home yet (laughs) yeah hint hint yeah yeah (laughs) play your game Oh. Hey, did you talk about Doctor? Is it Doctor Muto or Muto? I forget. Muto. Oh, the Xbox game, right? Well, no, it, it was PlayStation Two. Um, uh, what else? Oh, was it PlayStation? It was a GameCube and Xbox. Oh wow! Right, I love that. I don't know who came up I, with that concept, but that's pretty kind of bizarre. <laughs> um, oh, like, what's his name? Oh, Jeez, Scotty. I vaguely remember that one. Isn't that where you like you're a scientist and you turn into different creatures, like a mouse right. and stuff like that? Morph into different features. Yeah, I think I played it a long time ago. I wonder if I was working at Funkland when I that thought came. it was an Xbox <laughs> game, but maybe maybe it was. Uh, I have it wrong then. Okay. I think it was so a GameCube game. There's uh, an interesting story about that that sort of um, fits my uh, personality because at the time I was lead programmer on that, so I was leading a group of programmers. Uh, not the, uh, there were two, uh, Bob Lang and I think Dave Ortiz were doing the engines for the three different platforms, but I was the game programming side. And my programmers were all on the other side of the wall. So instead of walking all the way around to get to them, um, I had known that, well, no, there used to be a door here. So I'd ask the facilities, do you mind putting the door back so I don't have to walk all the way around here? No, we won't do that. So I brought a hammer and saw him one day. Nice. (laughs) Hammered where the door was and not make sure they didn't put any electrical work. Of course, head of facilities walked by this time. What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to create a door. If you come by 15 minutes later, there'd have been a door there. (laughs) (laughs) Funny story is a couple days later, there's a door, the real door there. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. Just a little hole in the wall. Power of suggestion. Yeah. So uh, in the in the IRC, um, Major Havoc, that's uh, Owen Rubin, I think. Yes. Said to to uh, ask you about Warlords and Malibu Grand Prix. And uh, by the way, Malibu Grand Prix is that sort of like Sprint era? No, there was a. I did a game called Malibu. Which is an XY driving game. Oh, and XY. and so you know it was like a night driver, but it was real. Trying to do real physics, you know, you know, drifting around corners and stuff. And then pole position came out and sort of blew me out of the water. Right. Now he had a game that was called Grand Prix that had a monitor above and a mirror below, and I think that was one of the games that Owen Rubin was working on, and uh, Gene Lipkin came in and killed it. Hmm. That may have been one of those Gene Lipkin, you know, killed games from Owen. He was I, Owen Rowan was working on that one. I remember there was this Sebring or something like that. It was Sebring. Uh, yeah, there, there was like a monitor above your head or something. Yeah, it was. Like that. C, uh, there was a Sebring game too. So, uh, what about Warlords? Did you work on Warlords? There was a Space Lords game that I worked on. Space There's Lords. actually two of them by that name I worked on. Hmm. Warlords is a game done by Greg Rivera, I believe. Uh, four different quarter games, and it's 
it was very yeah. interesting because when the people, when the guys came in, management came in to review it, they wanted to play it and they got into a situation where they were betting. Yes. So, and that's uh, definitely a classic for that, for us yes. older folks. <laughs> Maybe and, not when we were kids, but now <laughs> right. for sure. And then I was going to do a uh, Space Lords version of that, a little different theme, but similar gameplay. And, and this is one that we started, Bob Flanagan and I did, and we got to a point and said, this is not fun. We killed it. So the next game I did, which, which somebody said, you know, how do you do a 3D game in 2D where you're flying around a basically a universe, a wraparound universe? And so that's what Space Lords was, which is a multi-cabinet, two-player per cabinet. Yeah, game. I know the cabinet now, yeah. <coughs> it's got like a, like there's dual control thing. And the yeah. radar to sort of help you orient yourself. And it's kind of angled. The monitors are kind of a little bit of an angle, almost like a Nintendo versus upright, like a dual upright for the. Well, oh. yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's different. You know, different monitor per player. Yes, because you're in yeah, a yeah. first-person view, but and you have like a was it a joystick and like a thruster or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, cool. And, I'm gonna have a picture. Try to arrange, you know, full 3D, and yet really have you know first-person perspective with the radar screen. It was interesting to try to do that. And that was just to see if I could do it. So, uh, so did it actually have a, a Z-axis as well for flying in that, the 3D space or was it all just XY? It was 3D space, but you used a, a 2D you know, forward radar, a, a radar that basically told you things around you. It was really uh, simulated 3D. It was, hmm. it was, gotcha. It's like squadrons, Andrew. Right. Well, <laughs> well squadrons actually actually has a Z. Three guys axis. coming at you. <laughs> I know. Well, the radar oh. works the same though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Right. I posted a, a video, a YouTube video, if you guys want to see it in the uh, chat or in, a, in an IRC. Oh, there we go. Let me uh, back up here. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> no, that's not the coin up. No, no, no. I. I hit Jumped the wrong video. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, let me, uh, I'll cue it up here. Uh, let's see, where's that link? Let me stop sharing here. I'll redo this. I just had it up too. Yeah, you hit rewind or uh, I hit like the earlier video or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some stupid technology. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, you, uh, Maybe I misread this. Did you leave Atari at one point and then return back to them later? Yes, uh, around 92, 93, I went to EA because I was trying to get into consumer games. Right. Okay. And I got there and they said, well, we're starting up cleanup. We want you to help us there. And I said, all right, I'm fine. So you went back to Atari at and a half and they finally 93 or something? Right. You guys yeah, so the thruster on the left and the the kind of flight yoke on the right. Yeah, the flight controller on the right. It's last Starfighter. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious how it like shows you the oh, controls. That's cool. It's everything scales or or it looks <laughs> like it. Yeah, it's growth hard growth motion object hardware. That's jargon above me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Xyla awesome. had the center. At our arcade. Does she really? Mm -hmm. That's where I saw it. Um, the the um the demo of the hands and stuff reminds me of Afterburner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. A Troid. 
You got asteroids? Yeah. Oh, so it's a 50 cent game. Well, if you wanted to be a co-pilot, co-pilot is basically a gunner. Oh, this is cool. Interesting. Huh. I get to adjust the levels for the for the different components. Pretty deep for an arcade game. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> kind of what, reminds what me of year Rampart. did that come out around? 92. 92, okay. Two years before oh. T-Mac. <laughs> Speaking of reverse and forward. Can you shoot the asteroids? Oh, the... the the images of the fighters reminds me of Star Fox a little bit. Yeah. Huh. I've never played this one. Ahead so. of its time. Yeah, I would like to play it. It almost has a laser disc feel to it. Oh, you're right. The, the graphics on the asteroid take it closer. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I could see how a lot of different games would get ideas from this one. Yeah. Well, that's cool. What did Space Lords do? Was it popular? It was not. You know, it's, no? It, it's it really looks like hard. it would be. You know, 3D is really hard for a lot of people. So hmm. it does not fit in that easy to learn. You know, it, it's easy to know what you should do. Basically, shoot anything that moves, but it's not necessarily easy it to It probably learn. wasn't a cheap game for operators either, right? Two monitors, no, it's, two it's, sets it's of controls. It's a lot of space. And it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. Hey, when you when you went to what, EA, what hardware was that programmed on? Do you? Oh. It was our standard growth hardware at the time, and I don't know if I don't think we did anything special. So, quick question: communication Trip, between the boards. So, when you got to uh, EA, did Trip Hawkins get you, or was that probes? No, Trip was gone by that time. He was at 3DO. Oh, I see. Ah, oh, 3DO. <laughs> Some good times. So I was there for about a year and a half, and then they decided to kill the coin-out group. And, um, and they said, you know, why don't you look around and see if you find anything you like. And I looked around, I didn't see anything particularly I wanted, because, you know, they're all 40-man teams, you know, 20, 30-man teams, and I want to work another version of hockey or soccer or whatever. And at that point, I got a call from my former boss saying, you know, we'd like you to come in and do a, a as a contract employee, do us uh, a game for the N64. So I went back as a contract employee, basically to Tengen, which became Midway Games shortly thereafter, um, when Midway bought us. And uh, so I did games for consumers from that point. The first that sounds like did... a nice job. Anytime I hear like um, consultant or contractor <laughs> or what, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, all right, I'll, I'll give money. some advice. More freedom, and money, more money. A ton of money. Yeah. yeah. So I did Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey and N64 as a release product. Ah. Did you just go to that one? That, that was a favorite of mine. I, I played the hell out of that. I, I love the fact you could, you know, throw down your gloves and get into a fist fight. <laughs> that, was, that was part of the like original. Like Blades of Steel, yeah. The coin-up code. The thing that I liked the best about it was the instant replay where you could see the puck bouncing off of legs and the edge of the uh, cage and stuff like that. That to me, that's the thing of stuff that I added. Oh, um, sweet. The interesting thing about it is, of course, it was the silicon was done by Silicon Graphics, which is or Google or the History Museum is right now. Yep. So I go over there and you know, we get 
find out how, how the thing was working and stuff like that. But there was one day that I ran into a problem. I got to a point that it was giving me the wrong answer. I'd do a matrix multiplier or something, it'd give me the wrong answer. So I sent a test case over to them and didn't hear back for a couple of weeks. So I called and I said, hey, you know, I sent you this case and what's going on? And there was silence. Can't talk about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Excuse me, but I'm working on a game. I need to know what's going on. Yeah. That'll be a formal announcement. Goodbye. <laughs> well, a couple of days later, there's an announcement that they'd uh, There was a problem in the silicon. If you multiply zeros consecutively, you get a wrong answer. So they, I think they added no ops between some multiplies. So they changed the uh, linker. So it would uh, add no ops. So you had discovered a big oops? Yep. <laughs> silicon, Aaron Silicon. Ah. Oh. The only one I remember from that era is the Pentium issue, right? There, there was some. Oh, the uh, desolder yourself? Yeah, something like that. Put yourself into a spin and desolder yourself in the burn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the heat sink wasn't working. <laughs> what heat sink? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't yeah. that right, Gak? You, you run into that all the time, don't you? Totally. What the, sorry, there's an inside joke here where. Oh, I can desolder like a mofo. <laughs> <laughs> Will the circuit board ever work again? No, no, probably not. <laughs> That's why you don't hang the processor upside down. <laughs> Words of wisdom, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we always give Gak a shit because like when in the arcade hobby about soldering and how everyone you know, does with monitors and stuff, you're doing a cap kit or you're replacing caps and um, – uh, you know, doing a lot of soldering work and, and Gak doesn't do a whole lot of that. So we always yeah. give him any, any opportunity we have to give him shit for not yep. you know, for using a soldering knife. <laughs> so at, right now I'm just a tad over 13 years having my first arcade games now. <laughs> and have I, I've done like maybe four solders in that time. <laughs> he, he is the master of trading services. Yes. <laughs> so now I was going to ask you, uh, Ed, so you mentioned Rush the Rock console. Did you do the arcade version as well? No, I did not. Okay. Interesting. That was done by the hard driving team. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because huh. okay. that, that was my, I, I picked up four games was my first game purchase. <laughs> and two of them were Rush the Rocks. And man, Actually, that was an awesome game. The thing I like, one of the best games I, I enjoyed doing the most was one in Rush 2049. The okay. Oh, mode, yeah, that's another the battle mode on that is absolutely fabulous. Right. Yeah. A couple interesting stories when we had our three Midway offices, one in San Diego, Chicago, and, and Milpitas, and I found out the guys down in San Diego, every lunch hour, they go out play, you know, 20, Rush 2049, four of them. And, the two of them were up the, in our office that day, and they said, you know, you know, basically they beat everybody in San Diego. I said, you know, I don't think you can do that well here. So I got Todd Pappy and one of his guys. They beat him like 15 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you're right. You know, they did this twice, two or three times. And they said, you're right. These guys are really good. <laughs> so I, I think the rest of the rock, there's two things I really remember on it. That one was like, there was modes where you could basically mirror the tracks you know so instead of it starting out with a right turn it'll start with a left turn it's the same track it's just mirrored like i swear there was an option for that in rush the rock um 
I don't remember that, in, certainly not in the N64 version. Okay. And then the other one was, I, I could have sworn there was a, I'll call it an Easter egg, I guess. There was something you had to do with the steering wheel pedal combo and you could unlock another vehicle. And it was like a school bus or something like that. That I think was part of the coin up. Yes, that's uh, what I'm referring to, the coin up. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, and I'm not sure about the coin up uh, flipping the thing, but they certainly could. Right, because I've, I've, you know, there's, we have lots of friends that are, you know, uh, software engineers that like to reverse engineer the games. And, you know, like there's a couple guys we know that do the pole position stuff. And that's like one of the ones I've suggested, like, man, if you could figure out a way to just mirror the track, just to make it different, you know, because everybody knows pole position so yeah. well, you know, the track, how it goes, but just mirror it. Then you could call it pole disposition. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like it wouldn't be that difficult. I mean, I'm not, obviously I don't have that ability, but it seems like it wouldn't be that difficult because you're, you're mirroring the, the image and you're mirroring the controls. Well, the thing you, you have to flip is all the scores and the uh, words and stuff because they'll be all back. Well, you, you don't flip the controls, but if you flip the video, you've got a problem because all the signs in pole position are reading backwards. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, all the, the logos and words and it's stuff. It's different to put them on the other side of the road. That's that, as opposed to just flipping the video. Uh huh. Yeah, that's why we're not engineers, Ed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't think of this stuff. We can barely solder. What'd you say, Ed? You haven't pro programmed a cocktail cabinet. Oh my god. Uh, uh, oh man, I can imagine. Uh, wait, did you do any cocktails? Centipede, for example. Oh, yeah. That's right. yeah. That has the screen flip. Yeah. That's a, I oh. love that cocktail. Now that I think it about it. I think Tetris did it too, right? Where you could actually both play simultaneous. Atari Tetris. Uh, it, yeah, Atari I'm Tetris. sure it did. it did. It's side by side. Oh, you were talking about the, uh, no, the cocktail, uh, cocktail version. Cocktail version of Tetris. It has it turned around. So each person yes. gets half a screen flipped. Right. Yeah. So you can yeah. both play yeah. simultaneous. Yeah, exactly. And But on either side of the cocktail. Yeah. Boy, I don't know if I've ever seen. If you ever see a cocktail uh, centipede, play the second player. You'll do a lot better. Really? Oh, why is, why is that? Oh, why? Pro tip. Because somebody made a bug. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And you know why? Because Sean so has a bug. Right, right. Well, you know how the screen is where the spider reduces his range as he gets the score gets higher. Right. Well, I yep. cocked, uh, and the second player, I did this. One direction. Oh. So you just stay at the bottom. So you can stay on the bottom. We won't hit you. Oh, that's oh, simple. Wow. Nice. And I found I go for a world dead. record. Yeah. <laughs> I found the I found out because the industrial design department said, you know, our, our, we play centipede all the time in the cocktail cabinet we have in our office, and second player always does better. <laughs> Show me. So I walked over and watched them. After they played a few sentences, said, oh shit. <laughs> now i believe the circuit board is just a dip switch setting right to go to vertical or cop uh i'm sorry upright or cocktail it's probably a dip remember. switch setting Tell us right it could have been because that'd be interesting and then but then you have to figure out the controls so you could still play on an upright but on second player if you didn't have a cocktail no, you'd have to rotate the monitor or flip the yoke up is still up yeah because I, I actually, you know, uh, Dave got rid of his centipede recently, but I acquired one just like two weeks ago <laughs> from from my next door neighbor, yeah. no less. 
Oh, hey, oh, congratulations. Wow. Yes, thank you. Oh, I've been working wow. on that wow. since I moved here, like almost two and a half years now. <laughs> I remember you talking about it, about yeah. how you saw and you, you've been. They, they saw me moving all the games in my arcade in the garage and they were like, hey, do you, you repair these? I'm like, well, that's a gray area. <laughs> and I said, well, I can help you probably. And then, no you know, a year goes by and they're like, well, I, I, we think we're just going to get rid of it. I'm like, hey, let me know. You know, I will definitely buy it from you, you know. And then, yeah, a few months later, how much you want for it? You know, and I made an offer. And then th two, three weeks ago, out of the blue, my neighbor texts me, hey, we're ready to sell it if you want to come get it. Next day, I rolled it 50 feet over from their garage to my garage. <laughs> easiest move Quickest, ever. easiest yeah. sale Yes, ever. exactly. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds a hell of a lot more pleasant than my experiences out here where we're trying to do stencil work on a Miss Pac-Man and inevitably during the most crucial moment of like working on this, this paint, someone comes by, Hey, and they want to talk to you about what yes. you're doing. And you're like, I'm a little, <laughs> ah, I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little busy here. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, how do I not sound like a jerk here? But um, can you just, can we talk later? That's you, know, and you always want people hold up hope that okay maybe maybe they're they're stopping because they have like oh hey i have this yeah i, ha I have this you know vector or this game that draws these lines and yeah we had we had one lady come by uh that we tried to get on the show too just uh, that uh did all the the silk screen work for atari for the cabinets oh wow she did the the and it was we talked for like 20 minutes and it was super interesting she was very like ah. and then we were like hey would you like to to we would love to talk about that we do this little like podcast thing you know there's not that many people that watch you know we, we try to like downplay it because she seemed real and she just wouldn't have like she was like no i, I get i get nervous and i'm like well <laughs> it was almost to the point where i was like can i record an interview and yeah yeah i was gonna say do that it's just okay i talked yeah, to him and we'll yeah. play it and take a yeah. photo of her just play the interview with their picture what was her name by the way oh man i don't remember that that was a couple of years ago now i think yeah okay. it's been a long time i'm yeah she just pulled up uh she, she was in her car and she just rolled down the window and we, we started talking but she did a lot the yeah the the the, the she worked the the artwork the the painted the silk screening and she had all kinds of store like we talked for a while and i'm like ah, yeah, it was killing me not to get this yeah she was really interesting Ed, so I, I live in the bay area so i live over on the coast in the bay area so some, um I, I live in a little town over actually by over by half moon bay so i, What's you it know, called? I live in montera okay i was there for lunch <laughs> today <Here> today <laughs> no I, I was in pillar point you know the, the harbor yeah, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so funny. You do, you do know the coast then. That's great. <laughs> well, I went down to Pescadero because there's some beaches that I wanted to check out. So I spent the day down down there. Awesome. That's yeah, that's great. I well, love Pescadero. If you ever want to come out yeah. and sign yeah. for Zybots. Um, there you go. That. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And by the way, Ed, you know, if you're, if you're in the, back in the Sacramento area, uh, you said your daughter lived in this area. I'm like the next town over from Sacramento. I'm in Rockland. Which one? Oh, Rockland. Yeah, she's in Roseville. Okay, so when, that's when my Ed next. Does his tour? He can. That's the. I, I'm literally like a mile and a half from Roseville. Yeah. Just, yeah. just bring a I sharpie, Ed. Bring a sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen her in a year because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know Scott Evans, I would imagine, right? 
Yeah, Scott's up there. He's in Roseville too, yeah. yeah. I haven't cool. talked to him in a while. I hope he's okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I talked to him too, but yeah, I think he's doing right. Bob, Bob talked to him a few months ago. He's 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 kicking it. He's good. Yeah. And I see a Facebook post with, here and there from him. Did you do any work on Asteroids Deluxe? I did not. Uh, Dave Shepard worked okay. on Asteroid Deluxe. That is a brutal game. I, I had one, and it, I think it was the original code or whatever. That was just like super insane hard. Red, red, I just, I mean, red. I love the art and like the boom sounds and the way it's got the 3D background, but the gameplay just made me furious. You know, like, mm, really damn it, hard. I just want to punch the screen. You know? Too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Raging Gak. Yes. <laughs> but I do actually game. have a regular Asteroids now, too, by the way. Got that. Yeah, by the way, they were you got good. Asteroids. Yes. There's a version of the Asteroids EPROMs that gets rid of the lurking problem because oh. so many operators asked us, uh, can they fix that? So we gave them a version and they tried it for a while and kill their collections and they would take it out. Yeah. Yeah, there's like got to be that sweet spot where it's like yep. enjoyable enough to play, but not too long. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half yeah. minutes, right? Two and a half minutes per quarter. Before it was 90 seconds. And then you, know, you got to extend it. And, uh, it depends. I mean, the first time I saw asteroids being played in the arcade, it was up in Sacramento, guy walked up, must have died in 15, 20 seconds. Oh, put another quarter in. <laughs> you suck. Oh, yeah. Oh, the thing about asteroids is it, make, it makes you realize I suck. It's not the game <laughs> it's killing a, it's me. I should have got out of the way. I shouldn't have shot so many boulders. I should have yeah, waited. Shot that many at the same time. Yeah. That was me with iRobot today. This crowd's yelling so much at that game. Is it working? It's working. What? Right, spoilers. We'll talk about that outfire. All right. Yeah. This, this is Ed's <laughs> Yeah. I, it's, yeah I, I'm over the moon. So happy. He's had that Actually, game Ed, forever, Ed, you should, though. You should chill with us after, uh, after we go off, off live. Too, so I, I, I wanted to ask one more question. Ed, what, what are you doing these days besides oh, being retired? Uh, I do uh, some puzzle. Uh, just for curiosity, I, um, I did a Sudoku solver for a while until I, and Andrew Stewart, and then I found out two days ago his solver has been pulled and the site is no longer up. So sudokuwiki.org does not exist anymore. But, uh, I you know basically did my Sudoku solver and I had Hidato's Hidata solver and a, uh, but, but uh, other solvers are implementing risk too as well, because I like the original MicroPose version, the same time risk that I like so much. And, but it like, had a bunch of bugs and things that were just irritating as shit. And I think it's like, like really based off, based off the, the board game risk or, or is this something Based else? on the board game risk, but there's the same time version that MicroPose did where everybody yeah. makes your moves in secret and then it's revealed what everybody's moves are, and they, they do battles in specific orders. Like if you, you know, try to fight each other, that those battles are done first. Hmm. So multiple people attack I, you, then yeah. as those battles are done next, and so on. That sounds cool. That sounds like a new That's twist. Really cool. Interesting I, twist of the game. Yeah. So I, I played as a kid. I played because everybody's doing everything at the same time, and it, you could play it online, but I, I'm not worried about that. I just wanted to. Play AIs are a little smarter than the dumb ones they have. And I, <laughs> and there's a few other features that, you know, um, for example, I added luck. Because a lot of times you play the game and say, God, I really feel unlucky. 
And so I added a computation that computed really how unlucky you were or how lucky you were. <laughs> mm. I, I've never seen it again before. So doing things like that. Like, um, like luck is in like the dice rolls? Right. And just, yeah, yeah. If you're like, for example, I play risk to, I played today where I lost eight times in a row and I had a 60, 40% advantage of winning. So how often does that happen? Not very often. We don't do math on this show, right, Mark? <laughs> no, that's math. <laughs> but it would happen consistently, you know, like, you know, battle, I lose 14, you know, and win two. And it's like, you know, I had the advantage every time. That's a lot of bad luck. Because in that game, your die are based on the number of attackers. So right. if you have six or more, you've got a die that's got better faces that he has and who's defending. And attackers always win defending on even equal roles and the same time risk. So, you know, you've got a 60, 40 or 70, 30 chance of winning depending on, you know, what color dice you're using. Hmm. Yeah. But to have the 40% win eight in a row is just like, no. Sounds like <laughs> right that sounds yeah. a little. I mean, I'm used to tricky, but this is just ridiculous. <laughs> Does your wife cool. play play Risk or any? Angry? No, she plays Go and things like that. Okay. So you know, besides golf and jigsaw puzzles, and you know, I used to bowl, but bowling lanes are closed, so I can't bowl anymore. Yeah, oh, I know. It's killing us. Yeah. Yeah. Can we tell us? I used COVID. to vacation too, but I'm not getting out can't, at all. Can't go yeah, anywhere. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Now you get to go to Pescadero. <laughs> yeah, twice a year. I, you know, I've gone there. I, I had some. I. I collected rocks. I would do rock polishing, and uh, our dog oh, groomer oh, looked at my rocks. Oh my! Oh, God. Andy Dufresne. Nice. Yeah. How do I do that? And I said, "Well, buy a polisher." And so I took her down to Pescadero, my favorite spot, and I uh, went and picked up, you know, pockets full of rocks, and so she polished them and sent them to her friends in uh, Japan. She's Japanese, so oh. she sent them to her friends in Jap Japan. Really nice. So I have jars and jars of polished rocks that. I give away to anybody who wants them. And in this yeah, hobby, we buy uh, rock polishers. And, uh, yeah, we, we buy rock polishers to clean up coin door parts now. Yeah. <laughs> Random <laughs> screws and bolts. Yeah, and yeah. little <laughs> tiny metal pieces. But, Have yeah. you guys tried the quarter with it on a string routine? I have not. I have not. Uh, the, the old trick is to get a quarter and you tie a thread like to it. Like a fishing it. line, like a melt. Yeah. You stick it in and you jerk it up and down and it just adds money. Bling, 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 yeah, bling. until they made the quarter cutters. <laughs> until they added the cutters. So that's there. why they had the quarter cutters in the later doors. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, definitely. Actually, do you guys, have you ever, do you, any of you own a quarter cutter? Because I've never really, uh, at least. I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure I have a couple with them. Okay, because sure, I, I don't know if I'd even recognize one. I, I haven't tried the the monofilament or you know like the fishing line or whatever on the um on on the quarter, but like I don't know if I'd actually recognize a coin mech that had that on there, or is it on the? No, it'd be on the the mech itself, wouldn't it? It's yeah. on the mech. Yeah. It's when the coin goes through something. And that's that's going to be a new YouTube video for me. I'm going to go through yeah. all of my fucking. There you go. Coin. Perfect. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no. No, <laughs> that's a great idea. Actually, I, I would say, like, I remember seeing a sticker actually on the coin Mac that said, I don't know if it said the word coin cutter, but it said something on it don't yeah. try or die or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we had one of our, our Atari employees, uh, 
we have a local, you know, golf lands our local arcade. And he went and uh, ordered, you know, 100 pounds of coins from some vendor. And uh, he got caught. Now, how many quarters does that carry? Yeah. Quick, math job. <laughs> you're saying 50, like, uh, 50 pounds was... Yeah. Are you saying tokens? <laughs> you, you mean like tokens, right? Tokens, yes. Yeah. And he brought them into golf land and used the, yep. the foreign tokens. Gotcha. Yes. Oh, brother. <laughs> so that's one wow. way to get around things, too. How hard is it to drill a little tiny hole, though, through a coin? Well, you could probably epoxy a, a thread on, too. You probably wouldn't. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. what I was thinking. Well, and then later, the other, a trick, project ahead of him. the other trick was getting oh, uh, totally uh, a couple pieces of like um, like uh, packing tape that you tape a box up with, like clear tape, and tape it to a dollar bill. And you put it into the dollar bill acceptor and then slide it right back out. So it thinks you put a dollar in. Really? Oh, so it, it has enough time to scan it. But yes. then you. So, like, uh, this was like, all right, I, yeah. Truth be told, <laughs> this is like late '80s, early '90s soda machines. You heard about you can put it? You can put it this dollar in, slip it right back out. It gives you the soda you want and change back from your dollar. Oh shit! You didn't actually put oh, in, so it's paying you to take a free soda. <laughs> wow! The good old days, Gak. Yep. <laughs> you wind up, you'd wind up with like a case of soda and like you know ten bucks to take to the arcade. That was before they came out with the bill of validators that could actually uh, flash update their firmware. Yeah. Although the two mega touches that Dave sent me have really old bill validators in them. I don't even think they take the newer fives. Oh, wow. Yeah. But but to, to be fair, those bill val validators hold their value. You could probably get at least 80 bucks per, for each of them. And Dave got his, like, those two mega touches for free they have fully functioning touch screens all the hardware works the only thing other than the power supplies and one of the io boards which i have so that that's uh you guys weren't uh, on last week but dave sent me two mega touches to fix up i got them both working and he got them for free unfortunately mm -hmm. the one that he wants had was beat the beat, thanks to ups was had broken oh. plastic pieces everywhere the bezel like oh, oh by the oh, way dave i got i got an update from they said that they they received my pictures and they were going to send you the inf whatever their response was and that was the last thing i heard oh cool because uh, i have insurance on, ah, on yes. the shipping yeah so i so i told Andrew, the guy does I, that I, sound familiar <laughs> I, don't I don't even know why, i don't know why people ship those things it's crazy talk <laughs> I, I, I go. It's it's free. I go. All I want is just to, the insurance to cover the shipping because because uh, if they if it arrives broke, then it's no good to to him or me. You know, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna fix it. But the guy's like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And Ed, this is just a. I'm I'm bringing bringing this around to our countertop conversation about the touchscreen games. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to pull any, anything away from from your stories. Uh, <laughs> this is our roundabout arcade talk. Anything I thought you were going to come right around to the flattened arcade game out in the middle of the street he was talking about earlier. <laughs> oh, no. Anything else you want to ask me about? I'm sorry? Anything else you want to ask me about? I've got a 7 or 8, 8.30 tea time tomorrow. 
Oh, no, we're wrapping oh, this no. up right now. Oh, good yeah. for you. Nice, In nice. fact, uh, that's probably a good segue because yeah. we're approaching 11, 1. Yeah, no, it's, it's no, and Ed, it up, so. uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Yes, thank and, you so much. Uh, you have thank an you. amazing body of work you've done in your life, you know, that really has affected a lot of us old school arcade guys, you know. <laughs> like, I had no idea all these games you actually did that I've probably spent hundreds of dollars on when <laughs> in my teenage years. So true. Yep. <laughs> totally. And still yeah. going Thanks on for taking all day. that money out of my pocket, Ed. <laughs> I'll blame Atari for that. You know how many newspapers <laughs> now, I had to deliver to yeah. pay for those now, games? Now we all know what name to curse when we, yeah, when we have a shitty milk money the whole bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your paper route. Yep. Stealing money from dad on the dresser. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I used to do that. Triple checking between the, 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 the cushions. cushions, yeah, yeah, the cushions, yeah. I, yeah. I used to get like a something like three or four dollars a week allowance for lunch money, and I would buy a twenty-five cent milk for lunch, and that was it. And the rest I would save for arcade money for the weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was like nineteen eighty, eighty-one, eighty-two. Those are those years for me. <laughs> That's a damn good allowance, I gotta say, because yeah. uh, it was lunch I, money. I grew up it was on like a dollar. Oh. It, it was like you know a dollar a day for lunch or something like that. You know, but I wouldn't, I would just get a 25 cent milk, you know, mm-hmm. call that my lunch. Dave would get a 25 cent milk <laughs> eat, eat when you get home, right? That's right. Starving. <laughs> yeah, I'm starving. He was so, intermittent hey. fasting, as they say. Okay, we got off back then. Like, okay, so we, we totally did, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for yes, being thanks, on. Yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, come back anytime real, if you want to. A real yeah, treat. I, I, I told Lewis, too, that like, it'd be cool to have one where you you former Atari guys were on at the same time. I want to awesome. see some stories you guys riffing <laughs> you off each Bob other. And, yeah, yeah, Owen. You, you Owen. guys would have to be quiet and let us do all the talking. Absolutely. <laughs> We would. Be drinking in the back. And yeah. we would just throw out a question once in a while. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Who's smart? guys, man. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, everybody. Walking down the street, everybody boys and laughs. It's just catch up. It's just catch up.